This is Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And this is Jacob Brass with Longleaf Fertilia, and you are listening to the Herpeticulture Podcast, which is part of the Herpeticulture Network. Enjoy. mess with that too much you know at least my the ones i had they were not having any of that um a little too warm so it was just kind of clashing with everything else i was doing so it's it says live but we're not live it's just recording so we know because jake wants to go ahead and just get to decent conversation i'm sorry (laughs) i'm sorry man oh look at those boots boy duck boots yeah boy keep my feet warm they look like some of those uh shoes that kanye west made Oh God! Those don't weird even, looking Crocs. Don't even say it like that. Football Croc things. Don't even say Kanye West name, or I won't even wear these things anymore. It's no, called fashion. Look it up. No, I got these for <laughs> I got these for fishing in the winter, man. We're good. We're gonna be hitting the river pretty hard here soon. And you're gonna kick it, huh? Said, are you kicking it? No, I'm not kicking it. I just want to keep my feet warm. These things are waterproof. Come on, come on now. All right. Okay. And well, they're fashionable. This is episode 179 of the Herpeticulture Podcast. I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Jacob Bratz with Longleaf Reptilia. This episode is brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Jake's been looking around at some stuff, eyeballing some things. Yeah, I think I finally got it. Finally got narrowed got a plan, out. For, a game plan? Yeah, for this year's uh, sponsor pickup. <clears throat> um, I'm pretty, pretty freaking stoked. Um, but yeah, I think I got it. I think I got Schedule. it all. I think I got it all lined out. Yeah, you know? cool. But, uh, pretty freaking excited. Uh, if you are interested in finding a rack or cage that cannot be beat on the quality front, definitely not. Uh, go check it out. Blackboxcages.com, Facebook and Instagram as well at blackboxcages. Um, they are going to be doing a giveaway soon. It's a big one, so I, I'm not going to divulge too much if you go to their instagram or, or and or their facebook page and you follow them you will see what's going on but this like this giveaway isn't going to be like a little tiny it's not going like, to be critter keeper yeah. like this is going to be is it's big it's not some 12 by 12 <laughs> by 12 you know little box so. that you can can only keep a tiny little gecko in this could be a mac daddy mm-hmm so. Definitely don't want to miss that. It's an opportunity of a lifetime. I don't me. know when they're actually planning to announce it. I was just told it's happening. They announced the to... giveaway, but they didn't say what it was yet. Yes. The actual so. details and stuff. So uh, check them out. And then check out Steve Snakeshuary and his Venom Hot Sauce. Yes. Um, it seems like it's making its rounds. I've seen some people yeah. buying it and trying it and really liking it. So. I saw our boy, uh, old Chris Montross, bought him the oh, whole yeah, bought yeah. him the whole set, and uh, he was loving it. So, uh, you know, that's uh, that says something right there. The man, not a myth. I saw is, uh, Crutchfield bought him a set. And he oh, did he? Yeah, Crutchfield, really mm-hmm. nice. Um, there you go, man. So clearly. Everyone who has it seems to enjoy it. So you need to get yourself set. Go to stevesnakeshuary.com. If you do that, you're helping support Steve with all the different stuff he's doing. Public education, relocation, rehabilitation, rescues, uh, rehoming, 
he's he's doing a lot of stuff on top all, of a all the full-time goods. gig. So all the goods, and he's a first responder. So you know, can't can't complain about that. He's right. fireman there, right there in Louisiana. All around. Yeah. Good he's, deal. He's the man, not a myth, but a legend. <clears throat> um, this episode has been a long time coming because yes, I've been trying to get this guy on on the other side of Bratz there on for a for a hot minute. But schedules are constantly the struggle. Yeah, um, ever changing. Yeah. So this week we're joined by Mr. Nick Bettini of hey Cold Blooded Earth. For having me on. Yeah, man. Thank you for coming on. Somebody told me we were having you on. Yeah, and I was like, and I was like, nice. This could be awesome. Fellow South Carolinian. <laughs> yeah. Great state in the world. And it has been a long time coming. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, man. We're excited to have some- you. Some short tails, bloods. I feel. Am I missing one? Is it? Is it just? Yeah. So yeah. Well, you have Borneo short tail pythons, Sumatran short tail pythons, and blood pythons. Yeah, Yeah. I was about to say you think it. You're you're thinking three because two types of short tails, but right. Yeah. Ironically, they both have short tails. (laughs) Um. Yeah, we haven't had sort of like a dedicated episode to this this group, uh, I think, since we had Matt Minatola on some, oh, some wow. years ago. Yeah, that was so, a long time ago. Um, unless April Justine. Yeah, April was I don't know on. Which one came first? Uh, no, Matt. It was Matt. Matt definitely came first. April. April was definitely blood focused, but she also keeps a lot of other stuff. Like yeah. she's pretty heavily into carpets as well. We figured we were overdue, and I mean, absolutely. What better person than the guy with some of the nicest stuff, dude? As far as you know, morphs and whatnot go. Like, I'm gonna go ahead and say probably on the planet. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't disagree. I actually mm-hmm. learned. Fun fact: I actually learned about blood morphs from looking at your page. And like, oh, really? Oh, yeah. Going through all the different stuff. Like, I I use your website as like my platform for learning some of the morphs on these things, you know, many moons ago. Um, Yeah, because there's not a ton of information out there. So I try to put out as much as I can. Um, Yeah. You know, really hide that much or stay quiet about much. But what I put out there is what's in, you know, behind me here. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, getting into the, you know, we give people the option to to do the Cliff Notes version or the deep dive into how they got into reptiles. Um, if you even want to touch on that at all, it's up to you. Um, um, yeah, can I mean, you can do the Cliff Note version if you'd like. Sure. Yeah. You know, just like everybody else started keeping snakes when I was young, caught my first snake when I was, you know, three or four years old. Um, and then it just grew from there. Um, spent about eight years in the zoo business as a herpetologist. Um, and then nice. I went full time as a reptile breeder, uh, predominantly blood pythons about five years ago. I made the switch from keeping a lot of different species. You know, I had Timor pythons, olive pythons, bolins, chondros. Um, you know, I kept a lot of different stuff, uh, scrub pythons. About 11 years ago, I was like, I'm just going to focus. Um, and, and blood pythons and short tail pythons is, is where my focus has been since mm-hmm. then. So why those in particular, if you've kept all that stuff, what made you go? Um, just, just, uh, you know, <clears throat> their size, um, that's a great size snake. They come in a ton of different colors and patterns. I find them to be very interesting to keep. Um, 
you know, I like the way they feel. You get a, a big snake feel in a smaller yeah. package, you know, and uh, they're just, there weren't a lot of people working with them at the time. And, and uh, you know, they had a bad rap from 20 year old imports. Um, oh yeah. You know, and so I just, uh, I decided to, to really focus down on that. Um, Cause you know, if, if you're going to do this as a business, um, you know, it's great to have, you know, 1.1 of all kinds of different stuff or 1.2 of this and that, um, you know, but doing it as a business, you want to be able to increase your odds of production a little bit more. You know, if you had 1.1 pair of olive pythons and they didn't go, yeah, well, you're stuck, um, you know, right. so, you know, like Ryan Young does it, does it, he's unbelievable, you know, I mean, yeah. He, the fact that he can do that is pretty amazing, but I really wanted to focus and, and streamline my projects and, and dedicate the space that I had available to the, the technically three different species. Nice. I had no idea you were doing it full time. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah. For about five years now. That's fantastic, man. That's, I feel like that's <laughs> half the people that listen to this podcast and listen to reptile podcast. I feel like that's, that's kind of the dream for me. It's like the retirement dream. When I retire from my full-time job, that's what I get to do when I'm retired. But you know, the fact that you can do it at a, you know, for five years running now and you know, at a, at a good, good young, healthy yeah, I mean, clearly age. It's working. Yeah, obviously. I mean, shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's uh, like any business um, or any job it has, it's, it's, pluses and minuses for sure but for sure. i wouldn't trade it um you know i get to pick my schedule and and that kind of thing and um you know just and do things how i want and and you know i, I really like being able to do that mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very blessed to be able to do this for sure yeah absolutely do you have anybody that like you know i'll say works for you anything like that or is it just just you it's just me nice it's even better man don't have to don't yeah have to count, don't have to count on anybody else or crazy but you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's always sure, been man. especially with the full-time thing like the one thing that i always struggle to sort of wrap my head around is just figuring out the logistics of the whole thing in terms of like knowing because i mean it is a business so you have to know like have a clear idea of the financials and timelines of things like to me figuring all that out in a job slash industry that is very much seasonal like how hard how hard was that in the beginning that was the hardest thing to get used to uh was this the the way you know the ups and downs like the irregular flow of 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 money in and money out and stuff like that right you know um it's not so much what you're doing week over week or month over month it's like you know three months at a time you could have three really good months and then, you know, four or five months that are super slow. So, you know, the first year I was doing this full time, that 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 took me a little while to get used to. I was definitely a little nervous, um, mm -hmm. you know, when things started to slow down, like this time of year, they always slow down, you know, from mm -hmm. October until, you know, February, it's slow. And it, it's always been that way for me, um, mm -hmm. you know, but when I decided to do it full time, you realize it a lot more. You're like, oh, wow, it really does slow down. And yeah, but you can also things. prepare for it better as a right. result. Right. Especially going into the second year, right? Mm -hmm. You know, your first year is a lot of trial and error. But, you know, as you get comfortable in that role and your position, 
and you know what sales look like year over year that second year gets better third year um and now i'm pretty comfortable with it i guess it's it's just nerve-wracking when it you have so many things like so many variables you know like you were saying like you get a pair of something that you were expecting slash planning on going and producing and it doesn't happen now it's like you know that's a that's a pretty big speed bump uh i mean i but i also assume you probably have a certain threshold of like the number of animals you want to have and produce and you kind of have an idea of where you want to be there yeah absolutely you know <laughs> i mean part of focusing was to be able to mit mitigate some of the oh no, uh oh now what you know if you mm -hmm. didn't have a pair of go because if you have a backup male or you know you can you know you're able to pivot a little bit easier when you have a, a, a focus collection than you would if you had 1.1 of something yeah. you know i keep my pairings every year uh you know 10 10 pairings to 12 pairings um you know so i'm producing 150 snakes give or say a year um i don't do it's not a big operation by any stretch um i, I focus on quality and and you yeah. know pushing my projects to the next level yeah and i feel like that's what you know, kind of, you know, you said that, but that kind of, that's what takes you to the next level. You know, it's like focusing that quality and really putting the time and effort into a, you know, a, a, you know, 150 snakes is nothing to laugh at. That, yeah. That's still a good amount of snakes. You know, I couldn't imagine producing 150 snakes right now, but you know, as far as a full-time breeder aspect, yeah, that might sound like a small amount, but if you're putting into putting all the it's effort into, thing. yeah, putting all the effort into this one thing you can become you know sort of you know the master of that you know and then that's that's what you're known for and then you really just build off of that you can produce some amazing animals once you put that focus in yeah i mean you know that's always been the goal you know anybody can put two snakes together to breed them right. you know that's that's not what i'm trying to do here you know um with doing numbers like that i, I hold back quite a few animals myself so i'm always pairing with the mentality of i want the offspring to be better looking than the parents mm -hmm. so that's how i approach every season uh going forward what you know whether it's uh you know a specific morph or you know and borneos or whatever it ends up being that's that's always the first thing that i that i move forward with with those projects is can i make these better um yeah and then and then you know you build from there yeah i mean it's selective breeding man that's it's kind of that's that's what i love more than anything you know i'm not really a, a morph guy as most people already know um but the selective breeding the stuff that he's producing yo yeah man good, <laughs> good god like like i said i had a short period with bloods and I, I started getting into a few things but the stuff i loved the most was like the golden eye and 007 stuff and dude your golden eyes and 007s are just freaking ridiculous ridiculous dude i mean it's those things are out of this where, world biggest question i have with those is where do those names come from like is there a, a particular story behind that or is it just someone was like yeah it's golden you I, ever heard I, of I james like, bond i like yeah i like i miss <laughs> my n64 so i'm gonna name this <laughs> so the golden i um was named by dave and tracy of bpi and it's mm -hmm. the the snakes do have a golden eye so as the, the uh, 007 was produced, they just went along with that theme. Um, right. So that's where that came from. And it just it stayed with that theme. 
It's actually cool as hell. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, they are. They are fantastic, man. As far as choosing, this is something I always like to pick people's brain about too, is uh, like choosing holdbacks. I mean, I don't, so I'm not super hip to short tails and bloods in terms of like outside of the sort of the general information. Uh, but I mean, do they go through a serious color change or anything from, from neonates to adults? Or do you pretty much know what you're going to get from out, you know, from the gate? They do change a lot. Um, you know, unlike some snakes that are, you know, they hatch, they shed, and that's the best they look. And then they kind of start to, to, you know, brown out or, or change. Um, blood pythons are the opposite. Uh, so the, the, the day they hatch often is the worst they look, you know, mm -hmm. they three or four years and, and they really start coming into their own. So there is some, um, you do want uh -oh. Weren't you saying oh, something the other day oh, about Nick, that? Nick, you broke out a little bit. You there? Okay. Yep. Yep. Here? Yep. Okay, yeah, sorry about that. You back. No, um, you're good. Yeah, so lineage is really important with these guys. So, you know, if you go to a, if you go to a breeder and you're looking for a blood python, ask to see the parent pictures, um, you know, because that's going to give you a really good idea, especially if you can go back even farther. Um, but that's going to give you a really good idea of what to expect as that animal matures. Um and it's not, you know, 100 percent or they're not right. all going to be the same, you know, but that that'll really help you, you know, gauge what you're looking for. And mm -hmm. so when I pick holdback stuff, it's, you know, over time, I can see a lot more in that baby snake, you know, than I could five years ago. It's like I, you know, my eyes train for it a little bit better and I know what I'm looking for. Right. Um, and I've always held back stuff that I like. It might not be what, you know what you would like, Justin, mm -hmm. or, you know, it, it's always, for me, it's, it's personal preference. And I tell yeah. people that when I go to go to get them and, you know, they'll ask me, you know, Oh, which one would you get? Well, it doesn't matter because you're going to be cleaning it, taking care of it. Um, so which one do you like? Go with what right. you like. You tell me which one of these adults you like the most and then I can help you from there. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I, you know, I post all my adult pictures on my website. So people have an idea of, of what they're looking at. Um, you know, and then in my ads as well. So, you know, cause it's an important thing to do, you know, with Absolutely. the golden eye project, for example, I've been working with golden eyes for about 10 years and I still think there's room for improvement. Absolutely. And where did those, so if those came from the barkers, did those pop up out of some imported animals or was that something that they noticed in some, some other animals they got that, you know, maybe some sort of head marker or something that they, investigated no those were those were imported animals um i believe that they were the first one that came into the country was an adult oh, oh okay. wow wow nice so with like the whole color change thing is it does it vary within morphs because the little i know about bloods so i had i had an albino for a while and i know specifically your albinos they look like two different snakes from baby to adult you know like i've right. seen some that are just kind of like they're kind of orange as babies and they're really pretty but as an adult they're this red and white animal that looks absolutely insane so like with the morphs does it vary a lot within the morphs or there's some that don't change as much you know versus some like albinos that change from literally look like two different snakes yeah even in the morph thing they change a ton 
you know, um, I'm trying to get a lot more color even into things like 007s, which are, you know, for the most part, a white snake. Right. Mm -hmm. So I've started to work more pattern into them. Um, so they're getting a lot more black dotting and then color in the neck, pinks and oranges. So you can, um, you can definitely get the colors into the morphs too, you know, even the white, basically the white snakes over time. Um, but with golden eyes, batiks, those can all, they all, you know, if the pairing was done well, we'll get better. Nice. I got to show off some of these things and pull up the website. Yeah, Justin always likes to likes to pull up the website and uh, see what see what we're working with. Cool. Do, 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 do. See, like I don't know. I like to go the opposite way. Like I like the really dark Sumatra. Yeah. I like the. Let me see. Sure. I think it's all about per personal preferences, though. You know, like some people like more of the earth tones, like myself, and some people more like like the more reds and whites and you know things like that. But I think that's the cool thing about you know the, this whole genus in general is there's a flavor for everybody. You know, whether yeah. you like the dark animals, the bright animals, bloods have it. You know, well, it's surprising period, too, you know, bloods you and short tails. You would think that these retaining as much black as they do, like you'd think they'd be they'd brown out much more as they get older, just given the no. Yeah, I mean that's you know that's the result of uh, you know again probably fifteen years of selective breeding. That animal came uh, for Kara Norris at uh, BloodPythons.com, and mm -hmm. uh, you know she's put a lot of work into those really dark Sumatrans to keep them that black. Very nice. And so that's, you know, your T-negative albino, your T-positive albino within blood pythons. Mm -hmm. So there's also different looks within your albino. And, and you know, like you were saying, um, there is something for everybody. And that's just another reason why I picked them to work with because, I mean, you know. Right. No matter no matter what. Yeah. No matter what you like, you'll, you'll find something within bloods, whether you like dark colors, bright colors, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, browns, reds, tans, blacks. It's all. Silvers. It's all. It's all there. Whites. It's all there. Yeah, and it's you know, as far as a market goes, it's really. I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg. We're just getting started. Um, you know, we haven't seen anything yet. It's going to be really exciting. Yeah, and that was if, something I was going to ask too. Is like as far as morphs go. Jesus. I mean. Yeah, like I don't know how These are just how freaking ridiculous, sort of far man. into the the whole rabbit hole we are um, with these, and if and if it's kind of like Popwins, where it's like, yeah, we have new stuff coming out, but we still haven't even come close to sort of the full potential with with those. Yeah, it's it's just the same. It's like we're just starting to scratch the surface of what's possible. You know, um, there's we the the pie blood python. Um, is now out there and i got one of those wow. wow so you know as far as the next level of project for for what we're going to be doing here is is definitely the pied so what's your personally what's your favorite morph like what do you like working the most out of all these projects look at those eyes yeah, so that's uh, the picture he's got up there is um, unproven morph. It just popped up in my collection. I kept the whole clutch back, and I'm trying to prove it out actually this season to see if I can Jeez. replicate that look. That's incredible. It's almost like but a as far as my favorite, uh, 
you know, yeah. I have to say Goldeneye. I mean, I think okay. Goldeneye is one of the best snake mutations of any snake. I mean, Goldeneye. Yeah. And what you can do with them is unbelievable. Yeah. You know, so that, the base of that is is Goldeneye. Jeez. So that's Goldeneye and Ivory. The Ivories are really nice, too, man. The ivories are cool. Yeah. See, even though there's something to be said for, you know, sort of the, the more classic look too uh you know that nice deep red that they get the name from yeah absolutely and you know there's a, a lot of people that focus on selectively breeding them too you know karen and uh and then kevin martyr and, and there's you know i mean you can go so many different ways and then what you can do is you can take a really nice selectively red blood python like that and put it into a morph project um, it changes the whole thing the whole thing and it's the yeah. best way to go about it that's what I, that's what I try and like, you know, I'm not going to say preach, but that's why I try and say to a lot of people is like, you know, you have your guys that focus on your morphs and that's fantastic. But like the guys that focus on the wild types that can change those morphs by itself, you know, incredibly, you know, having that selectively bred wild type for whatever trait can, you know, change your morphs completely you know like there's always something to be said for selective breeding you know just normal you know quote unquote normal you know your wild type animals because that i mean that can go a long way Holy absolutely smokes. and the approach you know the approach is 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 the same i think that you know whether you're going to do the normal um you know wild type or you're going to do morphs you should approach it the same way uh, and absolutely there's no reason not to and yeah. and with blood pythons then you can cross both of those things together and, and really elevate your projects either way so are there are there more morphs in short tails or bloods or is it pretty evenly bloods, split? i would think yeah there's <clears throat> more you know known morphs in blood pythons with borneo short tail pythons they're really poly Genic. Yeah, I was gonna say it's oh, all God. it's all selective breeding, as far as I've understood with uh, with Borneos. You know, it's all it's all kind of selectively bred polygenic stuff. Whereas with Bloods, it's true, you know, recessive and you know incomplete dominant mutations. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's some certain things in, in Borneos. You know, there's an albino now, um, but a lot of it is is uh, you know polygenics, and and, and uh, so that kind of throws people for a loop sometimes, but. Um, you know, once you understand it, it's like, you know, crested geckos or leopard geckos. It's, it's right. Yeah. It just takes a little time and a lot of research to kind of get a grasp on it. But, you know, that type of thing is always, you know, you put your, you put your time and effort into stuff, you know, you'll, you will be successful and you will get it. Right. Oh, yeah, exactly. And just ask questions, you know, I mean, there's a, you know, I'm not the only breeder out there, so. That pied is incredible. Holy smokes. <laughs> it's wow. a cool snake. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. How many pied animals do you own right now? I have uh, that female. Okay. And is that a recessive trait like it is within ball pythons? Yeah, it is. So the, okay. the adult female was imported, um, and then the, all the resulting offspring are from that original animal. Nice. And it's a good pie. It's like a, it's like the ball python pie, which I think is a right. good pie. I mean, oh even yeah, if you don't like ball pythons. A ball pie, a pie is is a beautiful snake. Oh yeah, man. Absolutely. It's, 
it still blows my mind with like the pied balls. I remember, you know, back when I was, you know, first starting to get into snakes, I was looking at ball pythons more. You know, your your basic, you know, single gene pie pied was, you know, fifteen hundred dollars. You know, and then that market has just dropped so immensely. If it doesn't have a million other things in it, it's right. you know, it's a two three hundred dollar snake. So yeah, but I mean, you know, the original ball python pied was, you know, from 1990, I think. So if you look at it over that amount of time, you know, yeah. that it's a, still a $350 snake, that, that's a good, that's really good. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely is. Because I, I, I'm i with you. I think pieds, you know, again, me not being into balls, you know, if I if I were, I, I would get pieds like right off the rip. I, I think pieds one of the most incredible morphs in any snake personally uh, yeah but super neat it's really what, what you know put go ahead justin sorry the, the fallout gene okay that, so that that's a combination okay so that's going to be golden eye ivory and batik okay and so all the flecking that's in that animal is from the mm -hmm. batik gene so golden eye is uh, incomplete dominant correct Correct. The super is magpie. Okay. And batik is what? Recessive or incomplete as well? Incomplete dominant. And the super okay. form is basically a like a khaki tan um, patternless animal. Nice. Yeah, I freaking love that. That's, yeah, that's incredible, man. Ugh. I'll check out the pod. Go back out. Click that pod. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, man. <laughs> holy smokes that is awesome so i'm hoping to be able to get red in there uh and t positive albino and and just uh just really mess with that that base background color and mm -hmm. i love all the black flecking she's gotten in her scale she you know yeah. when i first got her she didn't have any of that so that's developed over time okay that's wild yeah that's incredible did you get her as like a, a hatchling yeah, she was a couple months old when I got her. Nice. So yeah, I mean that's uh, that's kind of where our focus is going to be going going forward and, and seeing what we can do there. You know. Yeah, that's a definitely a good focus to have, man. These are incredible. It's just the eyes, man. I really appreciate I it. Yeah, absolutely. Golly, man, <laughs> man, you're gonna make me want bloods again after this episode. <laughs> Well, you know uh, what? You just come up and uh, we'll get you squared away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Don't get me started on the Borneo train, man. I, I, would, <laughs> I, would, I would get Borneos real quick. I, I'm not even going to lie. Ugh. They're great snakes, too. Yeah, they're awesome. What are the sort of the major differences between the two, though? I mean, like, bloods get a little bigger? Yeah. I, I don't see it uh, a noticeable difference in... And any three of them um okay or any of them and uh yeah i mean you know temperament wise you know it's going to be a, a spectrum across the board with all of them you know some people say that the sumatrans stay smaller but you know i had two huge orange head sumatrans you know a lot of, you know, 15 16 years ago i mean they're giant so you know I, I they're all relatively the same care is the same you know borneo's tend to have more eggs when, but they're smaller. Um, so the okay. babies are a little bit smaller, but other than that, it's, it's pretty much, you know, what your, your care is going to be for one. It's going to be for all of them. 
So, you know, you're talking about size. I'm going to go to the the basic question here because I feel like there's a lot of a lot of variation on size of bloods. I've seen some well, there's the, really there's reality. <laughs> there's yeah, there's what they should be, and then there's what you see. What they can be and what they should be are two very different things. Very similar to right. carpet pythons, you know. So, what to you is your appropriate size blood? Because I've seen some that are six feet long and as big around as my freaking thigh you know like that's it's just in insanity to me but i feel like bloods shouldn't necessarily be that big but i want i want your opinion on that yeah i mean those are those are massive snakes and and nine times out of ten they're obese you know so you know i i like a blood python to look like this so you got the roundedness on the bottom Mm -hmm. and the you can kind of visibly see the spine on the top Okay. Um, you know, uh, so yeah, those aren't like Illuminati hand signs or anything. It's just, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, some of them are going to get big. Um, yeah, know, it's just whatever's in them, but to, you, you really want the body condition to look what, like what I just gave an example of. So, you, right. can, you know, that snakes, uh, robust, it's, it's strong, you know, it's not just so fat that it can't move. Um, you know, I've seen some of those big snakes too, but you never see them around eggs. Right. Yeah, exactly. True. That's a good point. I see a lot of parallels between them and chondros. Uh, yeah, I was about to say, so kind of almost know. a chondro body shape, you know, just a little thicker. Almost. I mean, in multiple aspects, right. like the, you know, the, there's the sort of the stigma that they're, you know, they're bitey and, and all of them are, you know, just not enjoyable to, to deal with. And mm-hmm. then, uh, I'm sure overfeeding is a pretty common thing and, yeah. you know, the humidity and temperature thing. I'm sure there's people that are keeping them too hot and keeping them too wet. Right. Uh, and you're dealing with, you know, an ambush hunter. That, very much, that ambush. Is, you know, so it's, I see just a ton of, of very similar scenarios. And I've had some people tell me, you know, chondro, keeping chondros and keeping, keeping bloods, they're not too dissimilar. You're just dealing with animals that are in two different ends of of the you know height yeah one's up one's down what are your thoughts yeah, on that? i mean that's pretty much it um you know my experience has been similar because i kept in, in bread chondros as well so um, and i had them all in the same room and, and was breeding blood pythons and chondros in the same in the same space and i saw you shedding you know hand shedding that <laughs> yeah. uh yeah you know that bioc the other day and it was fine you know and mo- most people would be like oh my god it's gonna you know it's uh you know a lot of it's crossed your mind a couple times while i was doing that (laughs) at the end especially she was was thinking about it yeah you know a lot of its approach um a lot of it's getting comfortable with your animals you know um Mm -hmm. putting the time into them you know so many people just want the instant gratification of having this snake um you have to realize that it's a snake first of all uh blood python especially its entire or chondro its entire mission is just to stay hidden you right. Know, so, you know, you're going to have to put the time in and, and build confidence with that animal, um, you know, from a keeper perspective and for that animal to get used to you as well. So, you know, getting a baby is a really, you know, captive born baby is a great way to go. You know, when, they, when blood pythons came into the country, you know, 20, 25 years ago, they, you know, mostly they were collected for the skin trade. So mm-hmm. you can only imagine what that snake went through before it finally arrived here. Yeah. And that snake was not going to be nice to anything, 
you know, um, and, and we've really moved far from that. But I think it's also important for people to keep their expectations in check when we're dealing with wild animals and, and especially snakes and a snake that's entire mission is to remain hidden and out of sight. So, you know, yeah, they, they, you can definitely work with them and, and, and build that relationship, you know, just put the yeah. time in. Yeah, absolutely. How similar is how we're, how they're like the current sort of state of how people keep them properly. How much does that align with sort of the natural history aspect of it? Um, like, are they being so kept too hot and too wet? Because I feel like were. there's the general consensus is that they're like basically just mud slugs that are sitting in a swamp. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, for a long soggy. Time that was that was that was the idea. You know, for a long time that was like, uh, you know, hot, like you know, as wet as you can get them, humid, and and they just they did not do well in that environment. So. Right. Really, for me, the way I set them up is 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 pretty basic. You know, it's on paper um, because they do pass a lot of liquid urates. Um, you know, so it's about keeping them clean. You know, that's first and foremost is to be able to keep your snakes clean. Um, and then, you know, basking spot eighty four to eighty six, and I keep my room about seventy seven degrees, and that's it. Okay. You know, if you get if you get that those if you get blood pythons, you know, eighty eight ninety, you're gonna have a mean snake. They just yeah. don't like it. Oh, yeah, they like pits. Pits get cranky when they get kept hot. Yeah, too. that they that they do. They do not like being kept hot. You know. Um, so how how often do you feed yours? You know, do you take yeah, more of a carpet python approach? Because a lot carpets, carpets are very. I'm sure you've worked with carpets before in the past. You know, they they get fat easy if you feed them once a week, even every two weeks. If you feed them those big meals, like they they get fat really easy so our blood's kind of the same way do you take more of a at least as an adult more of a once a month approach to the feeding them or like what do you do uh you know you can do once a month for sure you know if you're going to do a larger food item but you know i like to do like a medium rat um every other week okay there you go you know as as my animals are are adult size um and then you know before the breeding season i'll bump that 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 size up to a large or a jumbo for my females. And then the same thing once they lay eggs. So they're very, very efficient with their calorie intake. Yeah. Um, they don't need a lot of food. They're not moving around. I can tell you that right exactly. now. You know, so they're, you know, what they, what they're able to utilize, it's really incredible, you know? And so that's kind of what I, how I approach my, my bigger animals for my hatchlings. I like to get them started once a week, you know, just to get them going. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes blood pythons about 90 days uh, to have that first shed. Oh, wow. So, yeah, they don't come out of the egg and shed like most snakes do. It takes them about 90 days. Um, and so, and then once they do that, I'll bump them down to every other week. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that sounds about the same as carpets because I do that for my, you know, all my adult females. It's a medium rat on a normal day a medium ride every two weeks sometimes three depending and then bump it up a little bit during breeding season or i also give them quail you know for you know about the equivalent size as a as a rat because you know rats are kind of fatty so i try to give more quail right um but yeah no that sounds about about in line with how i work i almost think it would be easier to get carpets to lose weight compared to to lose weight yeah i would imagine it's like Um, it seems like it's very easy to get them to put on weight but getting them to get 
weight off is almost impossible. That's with a lot of snakes. Yeah, getting snake, yeah. getting getting weight off. Of Aside from, a, like I said, I mean, I don't. You probably have to just cut them off food indefinitely. I would think. Yeah, that can yeah, that can even that can even make it drawn out even farther. Right. Yeah. Metabolism will almost stop. So if you really want them to lose weight, you know, it would be going to a, a, a smaller, even a smaller item and spread it out, mm-hmm. so that they, you know, when their metabolism kicks in, they're burning more calories than that meal actually was, and then right, they would start to lose some weight. But yeah, it's yeah. it's tough, you know. And females that are real heavy like that, that you know, if they're if they have too many you know, fat stores as those follicles grow and they hit those fat stores, the females reabsorb all the time. So yeah. you really want to keep your animals, you know, a little leaner, a little longer. Um, obviously I'm not talking about starvation or, you know, any of that. Stuff. Right. Just, right. wouldn't breed that way. But. So you're telling me you're not feeding your adult females rabbits every other week. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm hearing right now. What a freak. <laughs> the biggest, the biggest thing I would do would be a, a jumbo rat, and that's usually yeah. after my females wait a bunch of eggs. Yeah. So with bloods, they're okay to take something pretty big after a after laying a clutch because I know a lot of people like to keep it on the small side a little bit more frequently after a a fresh clutch. See, that's something I've always wondered about in general, though, because yeah. like I had some corns that laid, and I'm like. I feel like it's kind of kind of mean to give you like a little morsel of a meal. It's like you're probably <laughs> stupid hungry. Um, so like I'm gonna give them like instead of giving them like a hopper, like I'll give them an adult. It wouldn't be like a massive adult, but it's right. like I do that and then do the the cuts that I make because I right. swear by it, <laughs> and they bounce back great. Yeah. So I don't know where the whole like smaller meal after laying a clutch thing came, but I don't. I don't. Yeah, I, I really don't either. It's just what I've heard is like give them something small more frequently and build like, them back up type of deal. I don't think you're gonna add more stress to their already to that level that's already existing after laying a clutch. It's like right. now they're just stupid hungry and their body's like desperate for <laughs> nourishment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, for for blood pythons, I, I don't see it being an issue. You know. Um, you're going to want that female to be hydrated, you know? So the first thing I do after she lays a clutch of eggs is I, I soak her, uh, overnight in okay. tepid water and make sure she gets hydrated. And then I'll offer a meal after that. And usually it's, it's, a, you know, a jumbo rat and, uh, they're happy to take them. I can tell you that. Oh yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> How do they look after they lay? Is it, they usually kind of look normal defeated it's like a deflated balloon <laughs> that's what it looks like yeah so it takes it. it definitely takes it there it's a toll on them you know i i for the most part unless my females bounce back really really well i don't i only breed my females every other year and i oh, think wow. that's the way to go personally i don't even with carpets you know i don't want to breed stuff back to back to back years you know like i knew i knew a guy that you know, had a carpet that he bred three years in a row and that third year she died. Right. You know, and I'm like, I don't yeah, want but anything could have been to do with that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm right. sure. You know, I know that's probably not completely normal. Species. Like corns. I'm not worried about. Right. Chondros. It depends on the individual. Right. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. And you know, I think for breeders and keepers, um, you got to know your animals. You know, and it, and it can't just be like, oh, man, I really want to be able to do this again. But if she's not ready, you know, it, just hold off. You know, yeah. You'll be better off in the long run. When you know? in doubt, wait it out. Yeah. That's it. Hurry up and wait. 
<laughs> have you, have you done maternal say. incubation within a year? I have not. No. It's just, you know, it's so hard to keep those parameters in check, you know, and uh, it's just easy enough for me to set them up and, and get my females back on food. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. but ultimately, you know, their care is, is the most important thing to me. So it's just another 60 days without food or, you know, stressing and, and that kind of thing. Not that it's, I don't think it's, you know, I mean, it's like the, one of the coolest things to do. Uh, a friend of mine, Alexa, she did it a year, maybe two years ago. And it's, it's really unbelievable, you know, to, to right. see that whole process. But, uh, you know, I just want to get the females back on food and healthy again. Yeah. You know what would be really interesting? I just thought about it. Is how the incubation and the temperatures and how the females achieve it would be different between things like bloods versus chondros versus anteresia. Retakes. Because I mean, they're not all going to, they're not all going to do it exactly the same. Like you think about a blood, like that's a pretty well insulated animal. So I wonder if they would naturally keep them a little cooler or maybe not have them heated up as long in intervals yeah i don't know it, it would be cool no, to find that out though, for sure well what do you what do you incubate your eggs at 86 86 okay so pretty standard for boyds yeah you know um i know for a long time people were doing like 89 and, and um you know i bumped it down to 86 a few years ago and it does take a little bit longer but i've noticed and it's i mean it could be completely anecdotal but bigger babies yeah yeah that seems to be a pretty pretty big trend though overall because i mean we saw with chondros too where people were doing them at i think 86 and a half or 87 and then then it slowly dropped down to you know like 85 ish and it's and it's every with with all the different species too like even with with colubrids and stuff you notice there seems to be a very big trend over the last handful of years of people slowly dropping that temperature down and saying you know what it's going to take a little longer but i'm getting better results yeah. Right. Which, you know, to me just makes sense because I think overall in the hobby, especially keeping pythons and boas, our temperatures have come down the way we mm-hmm. keep them. Yeah. So, absolutely. you know, it would make sense that the incubation process would catch up to that. Absolutely. Um, I had something. You had something. Where'd it go? <laughs> We're gonna have to get you a blood python. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So I had one. It was a. It was a. It was a juvenile, and this was probably like circa 2010. And like, I it was on Craigslist, and I went drove out mm-hmm. to that that BP in the middle of nowhere in Jacksonboro. Oh God. <laughs> Every time thought, I drive by that BP, I'm like, that's where I got my blood Yeah, first that's blood. all. That's also where we. Um, I saw the guy rack, and we went out there. Yeah, and, and it's uh, like in the between us and Charleston, in yeah. the middle of nowhere, oh, okay. like BP with a church's chicken. Meet me at the church's chicken. Yeah, but uh, I got it. Yeah, I got a. I got a. I don't know if it was a blood or a short tail. Honestly, I think it was a. It was rather like tan and with more creams and browns than anything else. I could probably dig up. Yeah, it could have been a Borneo. But uh, it was interesting. Um, it was like having a living jack-in-the-box. 
<laughs> and it always kind of freaked me out because I'd see it would be like buried because I kept it on Cypress. And when I opened the tub, I could see the eyes going crazy and watching everything. I'm telling and you, I man, they're more they're more point, calculated than people think. Like at some point, Absolutely. it's going to take a swing at me and explode, and it's going <laughs> to scare the snot out of me every time. And until just, they're like, because they'll get bloods are so funny, man. Like if they start spazzing, it's one thing. But I feel like every strike is so calculated. Like I'm going to nail so you at the perfect time and I'm going to hit you. Like, <laughs> there's yeah. no doubt about it. <laughs> and they do that, you know, Gaboon, I, I think, yep. you know, yeah. the Gaboon Vipers do. And yep. uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you experience one from, you know, some of them are like that. There's some more, but uh, overall they're a lot better than, than that experience you had. Oh yeah. No, I had. So I try not to base everything off the one. Yeah. But, like, cause my, I know they're not all that bad. My blood experience was I had, so I had for a period, I think, like I said, the most I had was four. I had an albino, two baby wild types. I had a big, like adult male. Like he was, I'm not going to say he was huge, but he was, he was hefty. And, um, the male was kind of hit or miss, you know, didn't, he didn't like to be messed with at all, you know, but he was tolerable, you know, he wouldn't bite you every time. Right. The baby normals wanted nothing to do with anybody at any point in time whatsoever. Um, and then yeah. the albino I had, sweetest snake ever. Right. Yeah, that, that snake was amazing. I loved <laughs> I loved playing with it. He was he was fantastic. No problems whatsoever. So it's I could definitely see it being, you know, kind of hit or miss with those things, you know. Just like the ox. Yeah. yeah, especially I mean, like I hate know, when they're small. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like people talk about Beox, and it's like honestly, yeah, a lot of a lot of Beox are just high strung and just not not fun. And like you said, but with small snakes, man, like I think that plays such a huge role because you have to realize a small snake, your hand is huge. massive, massive, yep. and if you're coming over the top of it, that's a predator all day, you know, right. no, and you have to realize that. <laughs> yeah. So it's, I don't know. Our babies in general, though, in a lot of them come bite come around. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they can be for mm. sure. Um, you know, but they, they, they come around pretty good. Um, I could pull one. I just fed everybody, but let's see. How bad do the bites suck from the adults? <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, they hit hard, you know, there's yeah, a, lot yeah. of, a lot of weight. There's a lot of weight behind them. Like they don't do the little like love tap of like, okay, I bet you leave me alone. It's like, nah, man, that arm's mine. Yeah. I'm going to get it and I'm going to own it. Let's see how she does here. There we go. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. How old is that one? Uh, let's see. Hatched in June. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, see, mine wasn't anywhere near that big. So mine must have been like fresh, fresh. Crazy. Nice. And this, you know, I mean, there were rats in this room thawed out earlier and everything. So they're really not that scary. Mm -hmm. You just reached right in, grabbed her out. That's it. You know, now if I, you know, made a, a fast move in front of her face, being that it's nighttime and, and my hands right. are warm and the computer's in here, and all those different factors are going to play into, you know, how this animal behaves for sure. So, yeah. But, you know, like I said, this is, uh, pretty much how they are 
Well, that's better than most of my carpets, man. I don't, <laughs> I don't reach in and just grab any of my carpet pythons. Like, period. That's it, why it's, I like <laughs> it's, it's let them know I'm there with a hook. Get them a little rub. Pull their ass end out. Pick them up. Good to go. But dude, I'm telling you, probably ninety and ninety percent of my ninety five percent of my carpets. If I just reached in there, food, you're gonna get whacked all day yep. you know and that's same with chondros like <laughs> yeah. as soon as i slide open that tub they get the little like food oh what's going on <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so i mean again that's what just i just think they're such a great snake you know yeah uh, a lot of my snakes are like the one i just took out so here's i want your your take on this given the whole sort of rack versus Walmart super center size cage debate. That Dude, I exists. swear you read my mind. I was about to ask a similar question. <laughs> do you I do you find that those do better in in racks where visibility is lower and it's darker and they're feeling more secure? Have you tried? I absolutely those? Do. Um, I've kept them in cages. You know, when I had a f just a few snakes, you know, a long long time ago. Um, you know, there isn't a one size fits all for keeping snakes. Species specific. It's your skill set. Um, it's, it's how you have things set up. I think racks for, for blood pythons are perfect for them from right. babies all the way to adulthood. You know, you can see the racks behind me there have windows. I mean, a rack is just a cage, just a stacked cage. Mm -hmm. It's not different guys. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> thank you. Um, <laughs> this, this idea that, you know, you have to do bioactive and it has to be six feet long and it's like not every animal is that way. If I had a room full, full of indigo snakes, it wouldn't look like this. Right. Because it's a different animal. Um, with these snakes, racks work, racks work wonderfully. You know, they're calm. You just saw, you know, it's nighttime here. I took that snake out. I, you know, I fed it around that snake. You take them out, they're fine. You can keep them warm. You can keep them clean. And with blood pythons, I'm telling you, that's one of the biggest factors of keeping them healthy is keeping them clean. Because that, that urate, the liquid urates is unbelievable when they flood the cage yeah you know and and there isn't enough isopods in the world to handle it. <laughs> yeah just get those prehistoric and I'm not, you know the size of an armadillo yeah <laughs> and at the same time if you want to you know put them in a wonderful cage with fake plants and stuff you can absolutely do that you know and uh just make sure that that snake feels secure and can hide because that, ultimately that's what had it, the blood pythons want to be able to so, so with your adults, do you keep them in like a FB90 style tub or similar? Or what do you keep your adults um, in? The ARS 8500 series tub. Um, and what I really like about them a lot is that they're straight down from top to bottom. So they don't V in like this. Right. So you're, you don't lose square inches. Mm -hmm. So what you got at the top is what you have at the bottom. And very, very few tubs are made like that these days. So if you see the ones side behind me there with the windows mm -hmm. uh, those are where i keep my adults so okay. you can see that you know nobody's slammed up front nobody's pushing to get out um it's a really great cage for them and yeah. you have a big window in, in front of me you know in front of the computer here so they get natural light and all those things nice very good if you were going to keep them now like currently in a more naturalistic setup like what mm -hmm. would in your opinion what would be the ideal sort of size and how would you have it set up i would do a four by two 
um, you know, and then, you know, maybe two feet high. So you're getting a lot of good air exchange. Okay. You know, that's, that's a big thing for these guys is to keep the air moving. I have two fans running in here uh, when I'm not talking uh, on the computer. So it's, you know, airflow is a big one. I would do it that way. Um, I would do a substrate that, you know, is cost effective for you because you're going to be throwing it. In <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. so whether it's uh, Cypress or, or cocoa fiber, you know, those work really good. You know, high boxes, you're going to want one on each side, warm side and the cool side and, and the nice big water bowl. You know, I use, you know, seven and a half inch water bowls with a, you know, a disposable water bowl inlaid in it. Um, fresh, clean water is really important for these snakes. Yeah. I change my waters, you know, probably three times a week, no matter what. Wow. Dirty or not. Yeah. That's commitment right there, man. When you got a lot of snakes just doing those simple water changes. That's well, uh, it's also your full time gig. Yeah, you actually have it's a, your full time gig. Yeah, that's uh, time to just right. knock that's it out. Yeah. But yeah, you know, clean, fresh water is very important for them too. Mm -hmm. So but yeah, that's how I would do it. You know, even if you're gonna go a little more complex, I would I would still try and keep it kind of simple because then right. it you know, you're gonna want to clean it more. You know, if it's super complicated, you're not going to break that cage down enough. Mm -hmm. no, no, absolutely. So what do you use? You know, you say you use a disposable dish inside of, you know, a seven and a half inch ditch. What, what's the disposable dish? I'm curious because I've always I used to use kind of a similar route. But what I was doing wasn't very cost effective because it was plastic cups inside of other things. And like I felt like holders. it was a lot of plastic yep. waste. The yeah. holders built in. So, yeah. Exactly. I can't get into those, man. Yeah. Well, I just, no, I, I wasn't using that. To... I was using like a PVC. Yeah. You were using like the cup, cup kind of thing. And then like had the plastic in it. And then I had a bunch of people give me shit about like, oh, it's plastic waste. And I was like, well, you know. <laughs> you're not going to. Yeah. You're not going to. Yeah. I recycle them. Yeah. Well, Guess what? Yeah, exactly. If, if, I, don't use, if right. I don't recycle them, then I'm using like four rolls of paper towels a week. So like, <laughs> yeah, take your pick. Plastic for trees. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. You know, I, I, no matter what, you're going to be going, you're going to be using resources to keep your animals healthy. Right. Right. Paper towels, you know, because I did, I do the same thing. So my smaller tubs, I, I use the coupling. And then, you know, my, for my adults, it's the big dog food dish and then a, to go, you know, like a takeout container, round takeout container. Okay. I just drop that right in the bowl. Um, okay. You know, it's for for all the snakes that I have and how important clean water is. It's, you know, like you said, just recycle them. It's okay. Yeah. You know, I've always thought that was the cleanest way for water dishes. Just dispose of the interior plastic, brand new one. It's clean right off the rip. Number one, it's quicker. You don't have to sit there and right. you know wash out your water dish and wipe it out. It's quicker and it's cleaner. And I feel like the cleaner aspect is the most important thing. Like it's, it's, it's fresh, you know, it, yeah. it's there, you know, there's no disinfecting them, nothing. You right. know, I've, I've always thought that was a better route, but I had a bunch of people maybe kind of made me feel like a dick about doing that. So I, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't done that in several years now, but you know, I've been thinking about going back to it recently. So I'm like, I don't know. I used to do it all the time when I had crested. So I was using those little saucer. Yeah. Deli cups. Yeah, I just recycle them. Cups. Yeah. Yeah. I was going green. Might be the way to do it. Yeah. It works great, you know, for us. So. You know, I, I think a, a lot of people also have a misconception of what, you know, a disinfectant protocol actually is compared to what they're doing. Right. So, um, you know, there's a, 
a true disinfecting protocol is is labor intensive. So, you know, for us to be able to just throw those bowls out and replace them mm-hmm. clean is great. You mean in terms of more than just spraying with disinfectant, but like UV exposure, like doing multiple things to to truly disinfect something? Yeah, I mean, even if that that water bowl had, you know, uh, know, fecal material on it. So you can't just spray your disinfectant on there. Your disinfectant, most disinfectants, uh, bleach included, um, aren't effective if there's actually, you know, soiled material on it. Mm -hmm. So you got to wash it down with soap and water first, then disinfect it, then you can put it back. Then you also have to let that disinfectant sit for like five minutes. You know, I feel like a lot of people are just like, spray it, wipe it, good to go. Like, no, that's not how that works. It's got to sit for five to ten minutes for it to actually watching me when I'm doing marbles. I'm just just saying, man, I'm just saying, you know. You always stick them in the dishwasher, too. You know, there's that option. And you know, I started doing that. So started I haven't, <laughs> I haven't, yeah, I haven't shared that because I felt like people would uh, give me flack about it. But I actually have started just dishwash. So my, I have a, I have quite a few water snakes, and I feed them all on dishes. You know, like just a bunch of chopped up pinkies and fish or whatever. And I take those old dishes and I just throw them in my dishwasher. Do your roommates right. know this? Yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in fact, they Dude, do. If I did that. Katie would, Katie would beat my ass. Dude, I, I literally, I bought a cutting board and a knife. I bought a cutting board and a knife, and I was like, everybody, listen up. This knife is for cutting up mice and fish for my snakes. You this can use cutting it, but board I don't recommend it. is for cutting <laughs> up said fish and mice. Okay? <laughs> this is what I bought it for this is the use. If you want to use it, that's fine. But be forewarned. <laughs> this is what I use it for. It is mine. <laughs> You might get a staph infection or hepatitis. Yeah. Use at your own risk. (laughs) Yeah, the things that we're used to, you know. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, had to go get a chest freezer because nobody likes the mice next to the freaking ice cream, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) You're vacuum sealed. It's fine. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Are you breeding your own rodents? No. 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 You guys do it. Who do you get your rodents to. from? Um, I've done it. You know, uh, Andrew at Carolina Rodent surprise, supplies me with a lot of live stuff. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Cold Blooded Cafe. Okay. I get stuff from, um, you know, Desiree out there. It's expensive. That it is. It's expensive it these is. days. So, yeah. No, I just started. But I just thought. Uh, it's like I, I can't I can't breed them myself. Yeah. I've done it before in the past, and I just you know whatever they cost. I'm glad that you're doing it, and I'll pay you. <laughs> I think there's a certain threshold people have to have to there definitely hit is. to where they're like, okay, this isn't fun anymore. Like if you have a smaller operation, it's not that big of a deal. But it's yeah. like when it becomes its own separate full time yeah. thing each week, then it's like okay, I can see where people would be would be over it. Yeah, because when it when you have so many, it's almost between your time, and it still costs a lot of money to feed those freaking rats. It really right. does, you know. So between the time it takes and the you know and the cost to actually maintain them between food and bedding and all that stuff, I mean, it it's it almost evens out to just buy, you know. Again, depending on the operation, yeah. if you have a semi smaller collection. 
Ergo, you can have a semi-smaller group of rodents. Then, you know, that's right. that's one thing. But when you're feeding, you know, 200 animals, mm-hmm. that's a big, that's a tall order. Uh, it is. That's a, that's a tall order. So, and that's they're even. So, I think they're even tougher than than snakes and stuff because it's like you don't have the option of like, oh, I can just get it tomorrow. Like, yeah, right. Those things get gross quick, and you miss. You know, you get thrown off that schedule, man. Things go downhill quick. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it, it would be great to have the option just to go out and pick what you need. But, um, you know, I really appreciate the people that are willing to do it for all of us in this hobby, for sure. Yeah, I actually just got in a rodent order today from a company I've never ordered from. And I'm actually very happy about it. Which one is um, that? I got from Big Cheese. Yeah, um, See, that's who I usually I've never time I've had to order frozen. It was Big Cheese. So I've been going I've been using Rodent Pro for quite a while i was going with um cold blooded cafe for a period um then i wasn't getting as much stuff and now that i have a lot more snakes i was going with rodent pro because they were cheaper right but you get what you pay for yeah no and and they weren't and they weren't bad that's the thing i'm not gonna shit talk rodent pro because yes there were times where i got mice and i was kind of like ew but <laughs> most of the time, they were actually pretty good. From what I noticed, the smaller stuff had more problems than the bigger stuff. Like the extra large, I get more extra large mice than anything because I have a bunch of colubrids. Most everything maxes out on extra large mouse. And for the most part, I haven't had any problems with those. You know, it's the pinkies that come in or the fuzzies. I got a batch of fuzzies from Rodent Pro that was absolutely disgusting frozen i could if they smell bad frozen there's a problem okay yeah, uh, that, that's like little yeah. mummies yeah no they were just kind of like weird in color and i was like yeah i don't really like this um but today i ordered like i think i got 200 pinkies 150 fuzzies and like 200 hoppers and i got them all from um from big cheese and everything's vacuum sealed and you know much smaller packaging and they all look really good so i'm i'm pretty happy with the results i might end up switching to them pretty much i first used them in 2014 and i just when i had to order again recently because i traditionally haven't since i do my own mice stuff i haven't had to worry about buying frozen but to take some pressure off the colony because i didn't pace things out right um with grow outs and stuff i had to order frozen and i was like you know what i was happy with big cheese back then go ahead and do them again and same thing i'm really happy with them you know the sizes to me it seems like the the biggest hurdle especially that jake's had is size and consistency you know it's like there's not really a i guess a standard and then you have so much variation between litters and stuff there that it's like you can have bigger mice that maybe don't weigh as much and smaller mice that maybe might be more dense or something just weirdness and so like i i like big cheese just because their their stuff has been pretty much exactly what i wanted you know in that size yeah no they they were definitely from what i saw in the packaging i didn't open any up or anything today um but from what i saw in the packaging i mean they they seemed very consistent the thing with rodent i think the one thing that threw me off the most with rodent pro Again, like I've only had pro- really had problems with fuzzies. I've gotten pinkies that were a little freezer burnt, and I'm like, hey, you know, like freezer burn doesn't bother me as much as it bothers a lot of people. In my opinion, snakes will kind of eat dead, rotting stuff in the wild. Yeah, they don't care. A little freezer burn is not going to hurt anything as long as it's not excessive. Okay. But 
There's one time I ordered from Rodent Pro, got a batch of fuzzies, and I got black fuzzies because they were on sale that day. So I was like, okay, cool. Got these, and they were the biggest, skinniest fuzzies I've ever seen in my life. Weird. <laughs> yeah, they, it was so weird. They were like hopper bodies in like a fuzzy weight, and I didn't like it at all, and not one bit. So I haven't ordered black fuzzies ever since or black mice ever since because i, I feel like i think you gave me some i did yeah i, I did give that. you some and i was like dude pay Good attention friend. to this i'm not losing my mind here like these things have like a full body of hair like a hopper would but they were so freaking skinny See, and but i'm even like then, this though, is weird i don't like I'd get this. some litters and mice though where they'd have like they'd reach that point where they're, they're supposed to they are sort of fuzzy size but they are like hairs all there and everything and it seemed more random than anything else. Like I couldn't, yeah. couldn't pinpoint anything that would have caused it, um, other than mom just either not eating enough or something. I don't. know. Maybe there's some sort of yeah. vitamin or mineral there that was lacking. But yeah, I don't know. I've I've noticed every now and then you get you get some that once they hit that size, they just it's weird. They got like yeah. the Benjamin Button thing going on. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> strange. Yeah, but no, I think I think Big Cheese is going to be my go-to from now on. A little bit more expensive than Roto Pro, but again, see, even then, you get though, what you pay for. I shopped around before I ordered from Big Cheese just to see how much you know. Everyone talks about how expensive mice were, and I'm like, okay, well, let me see how they are in comparison to like Perfect Prey, who's sort of more regional to us. They're down in Florida. They are so in comparison expensive, to like though. Lane Labs and oh some of the God. other. And I like I, I shopped around and compared prices and stuff, and I still think Big Cheese was yeah, the no. best in terms of like quality to price. So I actually have looked into like the individual piece by piece and Big Cheese. Uh, the thing that Rodent Pro does that kind of makes them the cheapest is the shipping. Right. Like Rodent Pro, anything over hundred bucks, free shipping you know the paper shipping big cheese nice. yeah it is it is big cheese on the other hand is normally is normally cheaper piece by piece like each rodent itself is cheaper in rodent pro mm -hmm. but you have to pay for shipping and each box costs 30 bucks to ship so if you get two Which boxes still, that's like an extra 60 bucks 30 bucks yeah. and Ain't bad. If you're getting, if you're only getting one box, if you're getting See, two or three, then too, it's like, where that's where it kind of adds up. But with Rodent Pro, didn't matter. We'll you know? spend sixty on a snake to get shipped to us, no problem. Yeah. But frozen <laughs> mice. Completely out of the question. That's a good point. Are you out of your mind? That's true. But it's like we'll buy a fifty dollars snake and pay sixty dollars in shipping, no problem. Yeah. No, that's, <laughs> that's a good point, and that's kind of where I I got I came to. You know, I tried. Big Cheese this time because you know Chris Paint Shop swears by Big Cheese up and down. Yeah, because they're, um, they're out of they're out of Texas. Yeah, and I pretty much worship Chris, so I was like, you know what? Let me let me listen. Mm -hmm. Let me listen to my dad out in Texas. I'm gonna I'm gonna get from him, <laughs> and and I, I'm I'm happy with it. Again, I only saw but today, but it, the bit honestly, what was really nice from them is everything was vacuum sealed like severely and in much smaller bags. I'm like, man, I can mm -hmm. compact these in my freezer so much easier than these massive bags that I'm getting from Rodent Pro. You know, so. Shout out to Big Cheese if you want to sponsor us. Hit me up. Pumlogosexotics.gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be dope. Yep. Think about Snake. He'll be back in a second. He's loading. Squiggly dot. 
I don't know. At what point is is too many sponsors? It's never too many. Dude, if we could get a rodent sponsor, I would be over the moon. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Device not connected. Do, do, do. StreamYard is struggling. Nick, Nick, where art thou? How's that Coors Light treating you there, Joe Dirt? Uh, I feel like a redneck. Silver Bullet. These are just in my fridge. Oh, sorry, I grabbed a couple on the way. Nice cold beer on a nice cold night. Yes, uh, it's definitely not making me warmer. You back? Hey guys, yeah. Jeez, huh? <laughs> this might be an issue. Nah, it's all good. It happens every week, man. We've had way worse, especially oh, on wow. our end. So, <laughs> all right, well, that makes me feel. Better. Some episodes oh, where yeah, we couldn't go no, ten dude. minutes without it cutting out. Some, we, you know, on someone's end. So we basically had a whole episode ruined one time because it was just, and it was live. That was the best part of it. Yeah. We had a live, a live one on one, and it was a freaking nightmare. Yep, and, that's tough. So, no, yeah, no worries at all. So. Cool. So with Bloods and Short Tails, where do you think people go wrong the most in multiple aspects or, or one singular? Um, You know, I think uh, keeping them too warm. But again, that's, you know, that's starting to be phased out uh, pretty good. But you, you do see it every once in a while. You know, my snake's being super aggressive and it wasn't always this way. You know, first thing to do is check your temps. You know, make sure you have a temp gun. And I think that's a good part of overall animal husbandry anyway, just to keep track of everything. Yeah. Um, you know, um, keep them clean. And, you know, just uh, if you do end up with an animal that, you know, a breeder said was easy to work with and then they ship it halfway across the country and you're disappointed because you take it out of the bag and it bites you, well, you know, it's going to take a little while for that animal to settle in. You know, blood pythons seem to take a long time to settle back into a routine. Mm -hmm. you know that animal out of the bag now everything smells different looks different you know it was in a dark little box you just got to give it some time to, to come, come around out swinging and, too and, yeah so would i <laughs> you know there's no doubt about it um but that's just you know just to keep those things in mind that that entire animal's life has just been turned upside down so right. give it some time to settle in and, and and you know and be be patient that's a, that's a big thing and I think, you know, something that goes a long way that, you know, I think a lot of people should do is, you know, and because of that, because everything is so different, a lot of times if I'm getting, you know, a new snake, especially one being ship, shipped halfway across the country, I asked the breeder, how were you keeping this? Like, send me a picture of the exact setup it was in and then try right. to mimic that. Try to mimic yep. the hides, the substrate, the water dish. Like, granted, yes, it's a new room, new smells. Everything's going to be different. The snake, the snake knows something's going to be off. But if you can at least mimic that enclosure to the best of your abilities, I think that can go a long way with acclimation. Absolutely. That's a really good point. You know, it's, it's just to, to reach out and, and talk with that breeder, you know, to really get a good understanding of what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And because they know that animal better than anybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another parallel to chondras, like, yeah, chondras take a while to settle in too, you know. Yeah, you know. And Do you find imports to be those take longer to really, really get into a groove if they ever fully do? Yeah, you know that's the thing. It's it's a lot of those don't 
you know, again, uh, with the, with the, the skin trade where most blood pythons predominantly come from, it's just not a good, it's not a good scenario. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that's the blood python skins are, are the highest number of skins in the skin trade. You know, the number wow. is astronomical. So the ones that actually do make it out, um, I can't imagine it was any good. Um, yeah. But if you start, you know, with a young one, um, you know, like sometimes the collectors will get gravid females and let the eggs hatch, you know, and then they'll, they'll ship the babies over. That can be a better way to go. But, you know, this this time, you know, where we're at in, in herpetoculture, I think that, you know, you can you can find a good breeder that it'll get you started off on the right foot. So you have a good experience and you continue to grow with the species, you know, because that's ultimately what we want. Another yeah. parallel to conjurers. Why would I buy captive bread when there's one for three hundred dollars on this table right here? <laughs> that's yeah. tough, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. No, and that's that's the thing with you know with you know being able to because you know a lot of species you can't import anymore. You know, Australian carpets being one of them. You know, but again, you know, there's always there's a place for imports. There's always going to be a place Absolutely. for imports. But it's one of those things, leave it to the guys People that know really what know what they're doing and let them deal with that while you get established with their captive bred babies. Right. Like there's always exactly. going to be for imports. It's always going to be there. It's very necessary, you know, to keep this hobby going, you know, and keep bloodlines fresh. We need yep. imported animals, but leave it to the guys that really know what is going on with those animals. And then you just reap the benefits from their hard work. Exactly. I mean, you do pay, give, pay, pay a premium yes, for that. But. Give, yes, and not and not even always a premium. You don't have to start with a nine hundred dollar captive bred animal. You can get a captive bred blood for a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, you know? absolutely. It's not, not going to be a, a golden eye or double oh seven, but if you want to get a nice snake, yeah, you'll get a beautiful snake for a couple hundred bucks. That's nothing, you know. For if you're really if you really want to put the time and effort into it, that ain't hard, you know. And that, there's not, there's not ways to go about it. Yeah, and it gives you the opportunity to build a relationship, you know, because that's an important yeah. aspect of all this too. Like you said, your your friend in Texas, and and how we've all got our start in this. And we all have those people in our lives that have influenced us and continue to influence us. And and you want to be able to build that relationship with somebody, and yeah. you know, asking questions and, and being involved in the process is a great way to do that. And let's be honest, man. If you get a new snake and first thing right out the bag, it's biting you. That's not good for you either, you know, as far as, you know, no. getting into keeping or even if you've been a keeper, you're getting into a new species, you get something that bites you and is biting you right off the rip, nail, nail, nail. It's not going to be a good experience for you. It's not going to be a good experience for the snake. Do yourself and that animal a favor. Get something to captive bread. A little easier to handle. A little easier to work with. It's going to be better all Absolutely. around. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And if that, you know, if that's your number one priority in, in getting a blood python is, um, workability then let the you know let the breeder know that and yeah. they can come up with something you know because a lot of times it's not always that way it's color or pattern or, uh you know whether it's male or female those those other aspects come into play as well so exactly. if your number one thing is that be upfront about that and and you know that way you you, you the breeder knows what you're looking for exactly do you think there is a genetic predisposition to disposition Yes. Um, I, you know, I don't necessarily make it my first focus is, you know, um, how 
tame the adults are, but I would never take two chainsaw animals and put them together. <laughs> I like that. I like that term. I've never heard a chainsaw animal before. I like that. You know, so I think yeah. there is a, a, a role there, you know, genetically, you know, if you have something that's just really, really anxious and, but, you know, super beautiful and you want to pass those genes on, use a, a mate that, you know, is easier to handle, you know, mm -hmm. without ruining what you want out of that pairing per se. And again, this mm -hmm. goes back to keeping a focused collection and being able to pivot and make those decisions that you can do, you know, when you're only working with a few species, you know, if you, had, mm -hmm. if you only had a couple of them and, and that was it, you're kind of stuck and, and you're going to produce animals from two, maybe really, really nervous adults and your offspring are going to be that way. Right. Well, it's interesting too, because you think about it. So that chondro clutch I produced, you know, because I peaked in high school with that clutch and everything like that. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the ma like the the dam was she was an import but she was brought in when she was really young and small and she was pretty mellow when she was out yeah she had her times though the male he i think was imported as an older animal and he's been a prick since like <laughs> day one but that female that i was helping with the stuck shed last night is the offspring of both of those Right. And she's completely handleable. You know, like yeah. I normally even last night when she was kind of getting a little testy, like even that's abnormal for her. So what's I guess what makes me just wonder about the whole thing is like that's like F one practically. It is. Right. Not practically. So it's like how it can it how can you have that that natural instinct that things are born with to uh, especially when it's a naturally sort of higher strung species. I mean, I guess Amazons are kind of one of the exceptions, but like, it's just wild that it can just, you know, you, you, you get one generation in and it's like, they're, it's a completely different story from what the parents were like. I think a lot of yeah. it has to go into, it's all that animal is known literally since day one monkey man was picking it up and grabbing it, you know, versus something imported monkey man grabbed it out of a tree and it's already a couple years old and it's like what the what hell, the hell you know? <laughs> how that was the rest of that clutch uh i mean everyone that i that has an animal from that clutch like they they say they're they're completely chill they're like the anti-bioc you know they're that's awesome just as mellow as everything else i think i'm i've brahms has one and i want to say his is a little more high strung but like the two or three other people that I know have animals from that clutch, like they they're handling them all the time and they don't have a problem. So, That's great. That's interesting. I That's think great. it's and it's also just really hit or miss and on the individuals between anything because I my first clutch of carpets I had had one male that was just complete psycho. And he, I held him back for two and a half, three years. I just now sold, I just a couple months ago, I sold him to a good buddy of mine, Brendan. And when he hears this, he's going to laugh. Friend of Meyer. Yeah. <laughs> so I, this animal had literally like with me, I'd, I'd had, again, for going on three years, this thing had just gotten to the point of kind of calming down. Like I could hold him without drawing blood. 
He didn't like it. You could tell he was on edge, but I could hold him without drawing blood. And to me, that was huge progress. I sent him to Brendan and he was like, dude, this thing's a freaking psychopath. <laughs> like, and I was like, dude, I told you. Steps back. And I told, I told him, I was yeah. like, just heads up, heads up. This thing's just getting to a point where I can hold it. Hopefully he's cool with you, but saw a chance he might be a huge dick. Well, that's payback and for that sun-kissed female he sent me. At least he gave me a heads up about her. She's like, yeah, he, she's she's horrible. Yeah. And sure no. enough, she's horrible. Yeah, dude. He texted me right away. And was like, <laughs> And he's had it since uh, early July, late August, because I sent it to him over the summer. And from day one, he's like, dude, this thing's a dick. He literally sent me a picture yesterday. And he's like, dude, this thing's still an asshole. <laughs> he's like, at least he eats now for the most part. Cause he was so psychotic. Like he almost wouldn't eat, you know, until he really, he was yeah. really right. hungry. just too angry. Yeah. He was too angry. He's like, he's actually eaten for me like four times now without any problems. So that's great. You know, so he's making progress, but dude, this thing's a dick. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> dude. Like, I, I did, I did warn him. Call that the IJJ special. Yeah. Now that's the only one though, man. If there's usually one with my carpets, there's usually always one. That's mm -hmm. like just once blood, no matter what, it doesn't yeah. matter. It's just, but, and that's, Freaking, the male, the, yeah, the male has four generations of you know line bred captive breeding in him. The female had He's several. Pet hatred. Like there wasn't. Any, it's not like there were fresh <laughs> imports or anything. Yeah, pretty much. You know, there's there's always that couple, and I feel like that's with anything. Yep, it is. You know, and I, you know, ultimately these are snakes, and I like them because they're snakes, and so exactly. Do yeah. you have bloods that are that are not necessarily like? super defensive or high strung but they're just constantly in food mode to where it's like you could have just fed them and they're still gunning for you because i've got corns where it's like i would love to handle you but it's like every time i walk in the room or move i hear you thudding against the side of the cage <laughs> you're not getting fed even though i just fed you you're still like i don't know if they have a tapeworm or like what <laughs> constantly constantly want food and i'm like chill man yeah, you know, I can turn that food response off pretty good and, and, and take them out. You know, once you I take them out of their enclosure, I don't have any that are just still coming after me. You know, right. nothing like that. Yeah, they those horns, man, they off. just he, – I mean, Jake knows what – one of those, that, that email mask that Chris sent me, that yeah. was just like periodic. Like he was holding her, and she would go over an inch and like nibble a little bit. And then she'd be like, okay, that's not it. And she'd go over a couple more inches, do a little bit. Uh, that's not it. And, and then she just grabbed my finger and was like, this is it. I'm like, no, it's not. I'm like, stop. It's like, that's it. Still, Still not it. it. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, that's, um, yeah, you that's, just get, you so just get odd. some snakes like that, man. Because it's only a couple of them. Everyone else is cool. I noticed it's most like, of the time they're freaking colubrids. Yeah. Like, I've never had a carpet yeah. that. I've had one carpet that thought everything was food, but he was a jag, so I give him a, a slide. He gets a pass. Uh, he gets a pass. <laughs> um, but I, the only the only animals I, I take that back. I had a rosy boa one time. Many, many. It actually technically wasn't even mine, and it was my significant other's at the time being many many moons ago. Um, but that thing thought everything was food, and I had a hog nose that was that way. But rosy boas are basically colubrid voids. Pretty let's, much. Let's be honest. 
Um, but like colubrids for people who don't like colubrids, they're boas for people who don't like boas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was solid, Smitty. I like that. Um, but you know, for me, like I've only had that encounter with colubrids. Far as boys go, like I've never really had one other than that jag that thought everything was food. It was defensive, but it wouldn't grab you and wrap you every time you know you took it out but i've had plenty of clues right. that like oh a finger that's a mouse <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's i don't know it's you want oh you want a king snake no i don't okay. actually <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah damn you jason keller so makes me laugh I fed everybody the other morning or the other day like friday and i walked in thing probably eats like, like the a next day or two freaking madman next day and I was like, why does it smell like someone regurged? So I started looking around. Lo and behold, that king snake never even ate. So that pinky was just chilling. What? It didn't eat. Yeah. What kind, I know. Of, what kind of faulty like, king snake doesn't first eat? First of all, you're gonna give me a king snake I don't want. And then you're gonna give me one that don't want that don't work right. It's yeah. Defective. Defective. So, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Yeah. That thing's it's pretty chunky, so it, has it, it can eaten, afford. Has to, it eaten at all? Yeah, I'd had a piece of chicken foot. A piece of chicken foot. <laughs> Which so I'm okay. I tried the chicken foot thing. I don't think I'm going back to it. Yeah, I wouldn't. Some of those some of those BMs I got were were a little funny. Like it was like just solid bone that just didn't get digested. Yeah, it was very strange. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go back to that. And they were like they were a real pain to cut. It was just weird because it was like cutting a human hand like it just <laughs> it looked weird felt weird i just i didn't like it yeah no uh, i'm wouldn't, good wouldn't go that route buddy yeah i tried no 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 the only things i chop up are frog legs and fish and those are only for the neurodia can't believe you keep those either right oh man don't freak. Don't don't come at me like that, Nick. We're gonna. Yeah, I, I, I have to. We're, 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 <laughs> friends, we're friends here, all right. You don't have to. Don't, we're not. We're not going there. We're not. We're not. Going I just. There. Yeah. I mean. I not love blood pythons, but water snakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man. I have a undying love for water snakes. A lot of them. A lot of people. A lot of herpers, because I, I am also an avid herper when I can be. Um, a lot of people see Nerodia as bycatch. I'm the one taking a header into the swamp to catch said Nerodia. I love them. I don't love them that much. My entire oh, being. Not that much. I'm like, oh, look, dude, I'm telling you, wonderful. They are. They. <laughs> if you if you interact with them and you know tong feed them and stuff. Granted, I have a group. I have a group that is absolutely horrible. I'm not gonna lie. Pontulus. Yes. Yeah. They are. They are garbage snakes. I love them, but they are they are gar they are garbage. They will make you smell like shit every time you try and handle them. But every other one, like I have three other groups of Nerodia. Some in, I have a pair, a pair, and then a trio that aren't Ponchatoulas, and they are fantastic. They are so like I'm not gonna say interactive because it's all kind of food based. They're always hungry, you know, but they don't really, they don't try and bite you. Granted, yes, they kind of think everything is food. Once they're in your hands, they're good. They don't musk. 
they they'll come right from tongs i can literally dude i've got one that i have to feed separately from the other two because she's a hog i literally just take my hook in there and i tap it on the ground and she comes out right up to the hook i hook her take her out put her in her tub to feed they're great they're so just get a dog they're so because <laughs> I already have one of those, and I can't keep all because I already have I already have one of those, and I can't keep it in a seventy-two quart tub. Get a, get some more. Um, <laughs> but like they're they're really great, man. Like there's granted, yes, there are some that are kind of psychopaths and they smell yeah. bad. But like Nerodia, man, they're easy. They they eat very willingly. You can give them different stuff. And honestly, Zach Loafman said it best because my man also keeps water snakes. If you keep their water clean. They're actually pretty low maintenance because they shit in their water bowl more than anything else. Right. So change their water frequently and there's they're actually pretty low maintenance. Funny enough, cool. you know. Your yeah. elevator pitch for this cult kind of sucks. I'm just saying, man. I'm being honest. Okay. <laughs> he I doesn't have a whole lot, man. No, the, I don't <laughs> the there's cult a reason, of Montross. There's a reason I only have a few of them, and I don't really don't want any more. But they are fantastic snakes. He small, loves them and, so much he doesn't numbers. want more of them. Yes. <laughs> he can't, he can't, <laughs> yeah, like, they're so great he doesn't want another like, one. I'm telling you, like hats off to Montross and how many he keeps, but you know, he's one of the guys, man. He keeps a ton. He does great with them. I'm gonna be on the smaller side with them, but I love them. They he's are the, fantastic, yeah. especially dude. If you put them up the Bob Jones of Nerodium. Yeah, I just set them up in like more naturalistic tubs and dude, they'll they get up on their wire perches and then their plants and stuff and they they perch and they're always out, you know, basking and yeah, all that. They're cool. they're you know they are cool. That, and they it's even really better cool. than Nerodia. Don't say conjure, I'm going to punch you. He's going to rhino rats. Okay, rhino rats. <laughs> Not barons. I was about to say rhino you want to know what's better? Barons. Barons are better. Do you have an opinion on that? Barons over rhinos? I'm rhinos. Hell yeah. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm in. Well, this episode has been brought to you by Black Box. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> no, you guys, so when you when you were in the zoo field, they had rhinos. Mm -hmm. Right? I brought them there. Oh. See? <laughs> nice. Yeah. There you go. Look. No barons. <laughs> you brought in barons too, right? Come on, Nick. Come on. Nope. No, 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 man. Have you ever kept? Have you ever kept barons? I haven't. In fairness, I have not. Okay, well then, there you can't. Nobody can have an opinion. They haven't kept both. <laughs> I, all right, I kept both and rhinos all the way. Yeah, that's because you put more focus on your rhinos. You didn't interact with your barons. I interact with my barons all the time, and they are fantastic. They're awesome. They're super inquisitive. They're always going around the cage. You stuck in a couple mice and called it a freaking day. Yeah, that's keeping rhinos, except it's better. <laughs> no. no. Three points for rhinos right there. Mm -mm. I don't know. How Disagree. was working in the sort of, would you call that the professional sector? Yeah, I guess. This is how did, did you, did you learn a lot there that you took to your own collection? Um, not well, I, you know, it's hard to say because I worked with a lot of venomous stuff when I was in, you know, at the zoo. Um, mm -hmm. That was really my section was tropical, and half of desert. So I was responsible for mamas, king cobras, puff adders. There was one Shoot. puff adder that was like the best puff adder I've ever seen in my life. 
I don't I know. know still there. I th- yeah. I don't know. Oh, big yellow God. one. Yes. Yeah. I don't think it was very big when I when I was there and I took pictures of it. But dude, I've never. I don't think I've seen a puff out of that would look like it. It was almost like hypomelanistic. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's freaking incredible. Yeah, those are those snakes were wild. Um, so you know there was some stuff. Um, you know, like we were talking about earlier, disinfecting protocols. I really they hammered that home, especially zoo staff. You know, so that changed my perspective on that. Um, mm-hmm. And then I feel like I was able to bring, you know, some of the stuff from the private sector into the, the zoo sector as well. You know, equipment advances, you know, thermostat advances, because yeah. there's a lot that advances on our side, you know, that zoos can, can take, you know, capitalize on. So I thought it was, you know, both ways it, it worked really well. Do you nice. think both sides of, of that underutilize each other? And you yeah, think in, some, in some aspects, in some aspects, it's a uh, you know, a, a downright you know, looking down your nose, um, that our side, mm-hmm. um, you know, not everybody, and that's you know, I'm not saying that it's like that everywhere, um, but there are there are aspects of that, and I I think we would be better off working side by side, um, you know, especially as we see more animal legislation come and. And to have zoos on our side is, you know, to back us up, the, the stuff we're doing is important. You know, you look at, you know, guys keeping water snakes or a brony or whatever it ends up being. You know, the, the, so there's so many people specialized in so many things on our side that we have a lot to offer um, as well. So, yeah, it would, be, it would be great to see it. You know, like Colette Adams, you know, works really closely with us in U.S. Arc and all those things so it's not i'm not you know certainly not sitting here saying that it's it's just one way but mm-hmm. it would be better if we were all working together a little bit more yeah i i completely agree especially because like i know zoos are on like kind of their own playing field but you're also a captive keeper i Same I, don't, thing. I don't really want to hear it you know like i get it you're an accredited zoo you're an aza like okay that's cool we also keep yeah. snakes in boxes. Don't judge me. You right. Know? <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, a, a backup space at a zoo looks just like this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, so, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's about, you know, and zoos can't do everything that the private sector can. They don't have the resources right. available. Um, they don't have the staff. They don't have the space. You know, there are plenty of people that just work with one thing um, and they're the best in the world at it. And, you know, they're on in, in the private sector. So, you know, hopefully that crossover can grow, you know, as time progresses. So, but we'll see, you know, it, it was interesting being on, on both sides of it. And I think in, in reptile departments, it's a little bit, a little bit more, you know, there's a little bit more give and take there. Yeah. Um, just because a lot of the reptile keepers have come from keeping stuff at home or working in a pet shop. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just go like work with like tigers, right? You know, or <laughs> yeah. your house, you know? so right. um, it's a little bit different there. There's a lot of, a lot of moving parts at play, but it would be great to have everybody on the same team. You know? Yeah. That's kind of the, um, is that, it a, you, the dream? Is it a similar thing with like the bird community? Yeah, I think so. I think there, there there's a, a divide there. For, I would imagine you know, there's some, some crossover well. too. Yeah, and there's definitely some crossover. Um, I, you know, I think one of the old bird keepers there, he went and did his own thing too, kind of like I did. 
you know, after a while he started, you know, breeding birds mm-hmm. for himself. And, and, um, so yeah, there's definitely some crossover there. Yeah. Is there any, it new- was a, it, Go ahead. I mean, it was a great experience, you know, I, the amount of things I got to work with was yeah. pretty awesome. Cause you don't have to like, you know, oh, I gotta, you know, order food and pay the food bill and pay the electricity. But now you're just in there, you know, you're just taking right. care of animals. That's it. You don't have to worry about the rest of that. That comes with what I do now. So, so with with doing that, though, did you have your own personal collection of snakes? And I'm assuming you did. And did you ever get? Did it become kind of like a take job away home. from your job, like kind of taking home work kind of thing? Like, did it suck to have to clean snakes all day for your job to get paid? just to come home to clean more snakes. Like did that, did that ever get tiring? Not really, you know, cause I've been doing it for so long. Um, yeah. you know, even when I was in college, I was, you know, home taking care of snakes after going to class and, okay. and doing all those things. And, and so it was always, I always had my place, you know, like being in my mm-hmm. snake room for me was a, a way to wind down, mm-hmm. you know, even when I was at the zoo, cause it's just so different, right. you know, interacting with guests or you're planting an exhibit or, or whatever you're doing. Um, it's just completely different than you, when you get into your snake room, it's like, ah, you know, I'm home. No kids yeah. running around tapping on glass. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. You know, that makes sense. I've just heard a lot of people, you know, that say they either work at a zoo or a reptile shop, you know, it's like, it's like I'm doing work at home, but now I'm not really getting paid for it. And it kind of tires them out type of deal, you know? So I, I, I just, li- I like to ask people that when they worked in the zoo field before. Yeah, you know, no, absolutely. And I can, I can see that happening. And, you know, yeah. I think part of it for me was I always wanted to do, to work for myself. So right. it's just mm-hmm. like, I got to keep pushing on and keep pushing on and keep pushing right. on and keeping that goal, you know, Nice. out ahead of me so yeah that's really what it boils down to i think in this business is just the, you know the ability to just keep going yeah it's gotta stay motivated man yeah and that's why we push working with what keeps you happy more than anything man because if you can't if you can't keep yourself happy your animals aren't going to be happy and you're going to worn out you yeah know? exactly you gotta, gotta work with you, the keep stuff what you, like, you, you know you, you never get bored yeah exactly that's why I have yeah. barons and not rhinos. <laughs> <laughs> not everyone's cut out for them. So, yeah. Know. Is there That's any true. new <laughs> any new news on the like the legislation that was floating around South Carolina? A while um, so they did write an article. Uh, they put it on the South Carolina DNR website or on the Facebook page. Yeah, that was the one with the Burmese python, the albino, albino, yeah, the albino beautiful bird. albino Burmese yeah. python staged under those live oaks. Yeah, that one. Um, oh my god, I didn't see that. Are you kidding me? No. And <laughs> oh my god, like, don't release your pants. And so, and so, yeah, I uh, I expect this legislative season that we're going to see some stuff. So mm-hmm. everybody needs to, you know, in South Carolina, stay on your toes. Uh, we're going to need to come together you know, regardless of what it ends up being, but, you know, push count, you know, I think if I was a betting man, venomous is going to come up again and possibly big snakes, because if you watch what Florida and Georgia do, we fall right in line. 
We know yeah. right now that all these heads of DNR agencies, all the way from Oklahoma to, is it St. Croix, are all working together. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to see all the same stuff. So watching what happens in Florida, you know, Tegus, now Tegus are gone from Florida to North Carolina. Black and white Tegus are gone. Um, wow. So, um, you know, George is going to do it too. And, and they'll, they'll be gone there. And Bernie's pythons are going to be the same way. So, you know, we're going to really need to come together as a state. and Because we're going to see it this legislative session. I, I would I would, I'd bet my job on it. Um, it's just, this yeah. is just the way these things are going to go from now on, especially in the southeast with Florida driving all of this. Yeah. Right. And Florida, FWC is completely disregarding everything that keepers are trying to come to the table with and work with them on and they do not care yeah they so, just you know. they just passed uh some legislation where tyler brooks lives and i think either maybe not on the state level but definitely in the local level as far as keeping diamondback terrapins yeah you know, and they had that. people there mm-hmm. that were like basically saying what we're doing and breeding privately has zero bearing on wild populations and it's like and they, they were poachers they, they presented plenty of valid arguments and it just went in one ear and out the other and it's like and that's the point and that's what sucks legislative processes and like these hearings and stuff if your mind is already made up you know? well see the the thing about with uh, florida um is the fwc doesn't only answers to the governor but they can write their own mm-hmm. laws so right. what the, you know even if they give lip service to people for show, um, they're going to do what they, they want to do, you know, until, I don't know. I mean, Florida's in a really tough spot and, and they're fighting really hard. You know, USR Florida is, is, if it wasn't for them, Florida would be even worse. Oh yeah. It yeah. would be even worse, you know? So, but yeah, I, I expect, you know, come January or February, we're going to hear some stuff. If, if they don't try and sneak it in last minute, like they did with the last, that we were able to squash so we'll, we'll yeah. see but i expect it i really do yeah i feel like on our front smitty we need to be doing a little bit more for our state and be going to these meetings and stuff and actually try and you know the even, is, even though it's they, always a small number they you purposefully know schedule them in like the worst times yeah they know people at like we 9 a.m we all have jobs we all have jobs yep. you know yep. like can't just leave work and <clears throat> you know yeah. what's been one of the things that came out of the pandemic that was nice was, you know, Zoom meetings and, and those kinds of things where, you know, if we can schedule those things, we can get more people to show up. But again, they don't want people to show up. Yeah, so, exactly. But yeah, just keep your ears out. You know, if, even if you do, you share posts, you write letters, you write emails, you make phone calls. That's, that takes no time out of your day and doesn't take you from your job either. You know, right. so Absolutely. those things are easy to do. And, you know, stay with you know up to date on us arc stuff um and, and that's the best way to do it because we're pretty sure that this is gonna this is gonna show its head again especially after that dnr post so yeah with south carolina kind of sitting you know right there with georgia and having its weird laws about not keeping corn snakes you know and florida being a super strict state on everything at this point, you know, I I've just kind of been waiting the ham for the hammer to drop with South Carolina. Um, yeah. and, and that, and it's, 
it's bad because like I know there's things that we can improve on. I don't think right. there's any reason you should be able to walk into a Repticon Columbia and show your ID that says you're 18 and be able to buy a freaking Mamba or a Puff Adder or whatever. Like, I don't think that's okay at all. Right. You know, right. so there's definitely ways we could improve, but absolutely. I feel Without like a ban. Yeah, you know, like there's absolutely ways we could improve, you know, improve without a ban. But, you know, I feel like it's going to be one extreme or the other. Like right now, yeah. all you have to be is 18. You can go home with a puff adder. But then it's going right. to be, no, nobody can have them at all, ever. You know, exactly. So then it's give it's us, tough. give us, give us something, you know, like we can work with you, but you kind of have to work with us. And, but that's just not how it works. Yeah. yeah I mean, we, you know, we went to the table with them a few times and, 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 you know, hopefully, you know, we can mend those relationships a little bit. We'll see. Um, but again, it's like, yeah, we're willing to come to the table all the time with, mm -hmm. with concessions, you know, a right. permit system or, yeah. or whatever it ends up being, whatever it takes to make you feel better and us to be able to continue doing what we're doing. Like you said, like if you live in, you know, North Carolina and you drive down here and buy a puff adder, and something happens to you, it does not look good for the state of South no. Carolina. And I understand no. that 100%. Yeah. yeah. But that's the, also the why I the, a lot of at these places, like at least be required to show a South Carolina ID, you yeah. know, like, so you, it, you, we know somebody from North Carolina isn't driving down here just to get a snake that's illegal in their state, you know, show an ID. Right. It's very, very simple. It's very easy. You know, like right now it's literally sign a form and you're going home with a rattlesnake. Right. You know, like, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of self-improvement on our end that we're willing to, yeah. to come to the table with, you know? Yeah. So. And I, yeah. And I saw that, that draft that was written up to bring to them and it was all completely like, it's like, yeah, it's, that's pretty totally much exactly what I would want. Yeah. yeah. And you would think that a group who says, look, we're going to, we're going to come up with something. We're going to bring it to you. I would hope that that at least has some, some merit. Like right. that would be like, wow, like, look, these people actually put some effort into this. And like, you know, they're, they're trying to work with us instead of just completely both sides, you know, shutting right. the, the door in the, in the other's face. And, um, just holding your ground. I don't know, you know, you hope it. you would hope so. But at the same yeah. time, like I said, I feel like so many of these decisions are, are made long before, they want to even hear the opinions of, of what it is. It's just semantics at that point. Yeah. You know, it's like they do it because they have to, otherwise right. it would just, it, they would just flat out pass it without even a second thought. So yeah. Yeah. It's really but, frustrating. You know, whatever, whatever we hear, we'll just, uh, we'll stay in touch throughout the whole thing and see how this year shakes out. Yeah. What, I, what amazes me still. And I thought about this like a week or two ago. How is it? that USR has not put together like a text where you sign up for text and an alert shows up for anywhere. Yeah. All of a sudden, everyone's already on their phones. They get a text message that says alert such and such county, such and such state with a link. Like that's, I don't, I don't know. That's, that's not an expensive thing yeah. to do. Like they do it at the cigar shop that I worked at like food line and Publix and CVS and like all these grocery stores and drug stores have that. 
Like surely like that to me seems like the most effective and most cost effective way to make sure people are knowing about these things. Cause I know stuff um, like there's some things that I, I do see sort of in real time. And then there's things that I don't see for a week. Cause I'm just, I'm not on Facebook as much as I was. And so right. it's like, I can't really stay in the loop if I'm just not glued to my phone all the time. But if I get a text yeah. message from us arc saying alert with a link, yeah. I'm going to be much more apt to, to actually see that and, at least read it and be cognizant of it. That's a great idea. Yeah. I mean, that's a, oh, it's a phenomenal God. idea. I just, I, I, I don't have the answer. You know, yeah. like you can only like, yeah, you, uh, Facebook and Instagram are, you know, good tools for getting that information out, but None just that. with the way that they're presenting information now, like with the algorithms and whatnot, and you, you know, you, you how that's constantly stuff. changing, you can miss yeah. stuff. Absolutely. Because no, not nine times out of 10, there's people on Instagram and Facebook that have, you know, hundreds on hundreds of, you know, people that they follow, you know, right. and you, you scroll for five minutes. You're not going to see everybody's. Yeah. You, know, like, you get that ding yeah. with that text message. Oh, what yeah. is it? No. Oh, U.S. Right. Are going to learn Florida. Yeah. No, that would be. Yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, fire them off an email. That's what I would do. Yeah. You know, yeah. let them know. Like I use this in my cigar shop or the cigar shop I work at. And this is how the program works. Could we do something like this? Mm hmm. And you can set it up to where it's like, you know, the amount of like the number of texts you send out, I guess, in a certain period or like, like you're not gonna be blowing people's phones up constantly all day or anything like that. But it's like when I think what was one that just dropped within the last couple of days? Was that New, New York? York. Yeah. yeah. It's like pop out a text. Right. Because there's Every, a ton of keepers there. Everyone would sign up for that text message list. Yeah. Right. That's good. Yeah, shoot them a message. I, just, you know, I, I think surely they've thought about it. I would think because to me it just seems like a no-brainer since so many so many businesses and companies are doing it now. But I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, it can't hurt just to be like, you know, we were talking about this and and we think this would be an effective way to reach people. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. the, the worst thing that could happen is they just ignore you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Worth a shot for sure. So right. you're getting uh, other projects wise. I saw some leopard geckos. Yeah, I uh, started to dive into leopard geckos a little bit. Um, you know, just to have a. Again, I think this is a good segue into why. Um, it's, you know, there could you have a better reptile pet? Um, mm -hmm. And so when I got into them, it was. This is a great pet, um, you know, because I want to do a, a, a like a really good pet species and for me you know leopard geckos were that you know something different a completely different customer base that kind of thing and, mm -hmm. and uh, i mean they're awesome like I've, i'm having so much fun with it you know so the, i've met some really great breeders and and uh they're just beautiful little lizards you know they're a lot of fun so mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know that's and as far we, as <laughs> like sales and stuff since you're doing it full-time now are you are you doing a lot of shows or is it almost entirely through internet? Yeah, I don't um, actually go to shows. Um, so I do all internet stuff. Uh, and the reason being, you know, Repticon, not doing, you know, mm -hmm. it's just, that's, uh, there's no problem. Really, not really your, your customer base either. So. No, certainly not. So, <laughs> um, and then, you know, a bigger picture for me is a, uh, and this, this is just me. This isn't, me talking bad about shows or people to do shows or anything. So it's not that it's um, just a, a biosecurity issue for me. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. You know, so if I take a group of blood pythons to a show and they don't do great because again, the customer base isn't there. It's easier for me to reach those people online. I got to put them in quarantine for 90 days before I can sell that group of snakes again. Yeah. You know, if you're going to do it correctly. Right. You know, and, and, and so it's just like, is that worth it for me? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, uh, you know, I did go to Daytona two years ago. I just went for fun. I mean, they're, it's a great time to, you know, they're, they're fun. Like, you know, yeah, we were in Daytona. Yeah, dude, you got to come. Mm-hmm. We go every year, man. You got to come next year. We can all yeah, hang out. You know, I, we can I went two out. years ago and, and uh, you know, had a good time. But just to to do shows, you know, from my perspective, it's just I can't. I can't. It's too much. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. it makes sense. And I've, I'm much more cognizant now of, of like the biosecurity aspect of shows. And that's a big one. After talking to, you know, Pia and, and Cody as much as we have over the years, you know, really. Right open my eyes to that kind of thing. And, um, you know, now you, you walk around and you see people wanting to handle snakes at tables and then go to another table and handle some more snakes. And you're just like looking at it like, Oh my God. I mean, realistically, <laughs> if you realistically, if you do shows, you have to quarantine everything you yeah, bring to that show. Well, you were out there every time. Sorry. Yeah. It's like, that's why he doesn't do them. Yeah. Cause he has to quarantine yeah, that's... stuff for three months after he comes back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, and, yeah. and I just, uh, for me, it's, it's not worth the, the hassle. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, like that's just a personal thing. It's not me saying one way or the other. It's just, uh, and, and I think it, you know, it's also because I work with blood pythons. They're a little more specialized. They're not as popular, um, you know, so just going to shows, you know, unless I did something big like Tinley Park. Um, right, right. So, I, you know, which, which I've thought about. Seem much more up, you know, your avenue. Right. So, you know, which I've thought about and, and it, you know, I haven't ruled it out completely. So it's just, uh, you know, for right now, I'm not, mm-hmm. I, I haven't, I haven't done or I haven't vented a reptile show in about 11 years. Right. Mm-hmm. I think personally, and now this is just my grand idea with it. If I ever wanted to start vending a show, like it would be one show more than likely Daytona. And then I ideally, and again, this is in a perfect world. I would have my own room of stuff that is for sale it is always for sale and it stays in that room only. And all those right. animals get brought to a show. Then they go back into that room separate from all my breeding stock and anything else, you know, like in a perfect world, that would be the most ideal because bring them back, do a mite treatment, whatever, just to be on the safe side. Yep. Keep rocking and rolling, you know. Like, There's some you know, people that, that just wholesale whatever they have left at Daytona. They don't even take yeah. anything back. There's a ton of people that do that. Makes yeah, sense. which is, yeah. you know, another option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, but again, then, then, there, then there's no online sales. And, you right. Know, and that you can you cut your margins them. severely. Right. So. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's, uh, but Daytona's a blast. I, I loved going to that show oh, yeah. back in the day. And I remember the, you know, I, the venomous section and mm-hmm. it was, it, it's a, it's a fun show. Well, that's gone now. There's no venomous. Oh yeah. No, 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 no. That was a long yeah. time ago. That's you got to go to Columbia Repticon for that. <laughs> <laughs> Lord knows what you're going to get from that, man. I quarantined the wood I got from Columbia. The last time we went. That was probably a good idea. Yeah, no, that bitch, that bitch stayed in the freezer for like three weeks after I got it. I was like, Nope. This is gonna sit in here with the with the rodents in the frozen yep. section for a while. Um, yeah, man, I don't. Dude, I got home from Columbia because we went to the last show because we met up with a buddy because I was we were doing some trades and 
you know, wanted to, I wanted to get some cork bark. So we rode out there and yeah, man, I, as soon as I got home, I put, I literally stripped naked in my house and put all my clothes in the washer. As soon as I walked in, put them in the wash. But he's <laughs> like, dude, you're being paranoid. I'm like, yeah, nope. well, I've dealt with mites in my entire collection before and I'm not doing that again. Right. So it's yeah, no, it is absolutely terrible. So yeah. no, I, I don't care. Right call for sure. I'm saying, man, those things will jump off a deli cup. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, not fleas. Doing not doing it. We get sucked care. up into the air conditioning units. <laughs> yeah. All around. Yeah. It's just, they're circling in the air. It's, no. I, you know, when I was at the zoo, I did the same thing. Like I had separate pair of shoes for my, my collection and, and what yeah. I would wear to, to work and all that stuff. So yeah. yeah. How bad would you feel if you ended up taking Something, something to one or the other. <laughs> Horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would suck. Yeah, no. I threw my clothes in the washer and I took a shower. As soon as I walked yeah. in the door, I was my like, nope, no chances. This might be extra, but I ain't doing it. Make fun of me all you want, but I'm clean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my snakes are gonna be clean too, damn it. I'll be laughing when you have to tear apart all your all your enclosures and spray everything down for mites three times a week for the next yeah <laughs> rest of your wife yeah Jesus. have fun putting that fire out buddy yeah, man, I, I remember the last time i had to i dealt with it it was a freaking nightmare and i probably have double the snakes i have now i haven't had to deal with it in a long long time knock on wood yeah you knock on that yeah. wood <laughs> <laughs> yeah man it's it was not not fun because as soon as you think you have a handle on them they're back one yeah. month later they're all back because that's the thing they're funny man you'll think they're gone you'll be solid a month will go by gas yeah a month will go by everything seems fine all of a sudden one of them is just swarmed yeah just like, exactly. just like that you know overnight it's everywhere seems, yeah everywhere and then you're just screwed yeah, yeah. they're horrible yeah. so I hate this. Not you only have to nope. deal with a really bad outbreak of those once to never want to have to do it again. <laughs> exactly. My yeah, the last outbreak I had a couple years ago was the worst it's I've like, ever had, and it was like, I think okay, I'll take the extra is... two minutes and just go ahead and pre-treat <laughs> yeah. stuff when it comes in. Yeah. Right. Just, exactly. Just, just make it part of your. Just make it part of your quarantine protocol. Yeah. And that's the thing. If you do it in quarantine, if there's nothing visible on it, it can be minimal. You know, like right. I only like my treatments now. I use a spray. It used to be frontline. I had to switch something different. Thanks, Smitty. You found it. Um, if it's minimal, you can spray on a paper towel. Let them sit on that paper towel. You'll probably be good to go. If it's bad, you got to put it straight on the snake and that's more intrusive. It's not, it can be, it can it's be detrimental. It's riskier. It can be detrimental. If you don't know exactly what you're doing, you don't you're do just, it right. Just spraying them down with poisons. No big deal. Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, not fine. a big deal at all. I'm just spraying <laughs> them with them battery acid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, if you do it right off the rip, all it takes is a paper towel, a couple of treatments. Good to go. Good to go. Yep. No problems, you know, but yeah. If you wait till it gets bad and you got a bigger problem on your hands, you got to be more direct to really take care of it. It's not fun. Nope. It's not fun at all. Yeah, that's but, why, you know, quarantine protocol is important. Yeah. Big time. Big time. 
You only you'll learn that one time. And that's all it's gonna take. Once. <laughs> <laughs> all it's gonna take. You'll never, you'll either not get any new snakes or you're gonna have a quarantine area. I went through a a period where I didn't get any snakes because I had no quarantine space. I got I, I take that back. I got from my most trusted source who would never screw me over. This guy. Yeah. Yeah, my buddy. <laughs> no, not not this guy. I wouldn't trust him for shit. <laughs> no, but uh, they, I got Give from me my corn snakes back. Bitch. No, <laughs> they're mine and they're amazing. Speaking of, dude, those two babies. Oh my Shut god, up. those two females I got from Don't you this make year. Me regret it. You're gonna regret it. Send me next pictures. time you see them. I need to pull them out. I normally let them be because they're assholes, dude. You're welcome. They. <laughs> they just want blood. They're just smallest snakes in my collection. And they just death, death and destruction. But yeah, they're great. Turn it out. <laughs> they just want to bite. They want to bite me all the time. Yeah. Great. No, but I, hey, they're I'm awesome. fine. I'm fine with biting snakes. I've I dealt with hatchling carpets. I can deal with a corn snake. Unlike you squealing over there anytime a corn snake wants to take a little nibble on your finger. But, yep. <laughs> Bitey snakes are my jam. That's it. To an extent. That's why I need bloods again. Just kidding. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> we'll get you there. We'll get yeah, you. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. If it's I saw the right slow. pair, if I saw the right pair of Borneos, I'd be like, ah, I gotta have them. Yeah. Gotta have them. But, they're cool. Yeah. Especially now that you tell me they're okay at like an 86 hotspot. Like, yeah, that's what I do. I can do that. My room's a little warmer now. I do keep my room at about 79, 80. You always put them on the bottom. There you go. That's a good point. It's always solutions, man. Or just yeah. get an Aggie cage and run your room <laughs> ambient. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I run ambient now for my colubrids, but I still keep my carpets on a hot spot. So my ambient say around 79, 80. The carpets have a hot spot of about 85. And the colubrids just run ambient, and they're perfect. So that's doing fine for what I have. I don't love it for the carpets, but they're doing right. okay. Makes it a little easier for all the clubbers I have. I can just stack stuff around the room. It works. It works. Yeah, it works. So I'm a little, my, my options for other stuff are a little limited at the moment. I feel like bloods would not love that setup. So I don't know. Let's see. Worth yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, worth a shot. Just may as well try. You, you don't know until you try. That's yeah. it. We'll give it a go. Give it a Nick go. says you miss one hundred percent of the shots you don't take. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, where can sure. people get a hold of you, man? Yeah. Um on Facebook, Instagram, you know, cold blooded earth. Uh my website's coldbloodedearth.com. Um that's about it. Nice, man. Yeah, definitely check out his website. If you want to see some really awesome bloods, Borneos. That'll t bring a tear to your eye. Yeah. You'll... If you don't, if you're not into bloods, or you've been on the on the spectrum of keeping them, definitely go to his website, his Instagram page. You'll I'll be sold. Message. You'll be fence. sold, yeah. You'll be sold, man. I don't think anyone's on the spectrum with bloods. But... On the spectrum, on the fence, whatever. <laughs> Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> I'm on the I'm on the Good. spectrum I'm on the spectrum, so leave me alone. Okay. No comment. 
All I'm saying is if you keep more intense snakes, you're on the spectrum. And I'm gonna leave it at that. Caseyism. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a Ryan Cox saying. That's that's a, that's a fully full full belief by Ryan Cox. Seventy percent of statistics are made up. <laughs> like that one. Uh, well, man. this show is brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Check them out. Facebook, Instagram, blackboxcages.com. And stevesnakesquery.com, also on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, get yourself some Venom hot sauce. You will not regret it. Uh, it's getting colder this time of year. Warm and this hot sauce will warm you up. Real well. Get some. Real well. Um, Nick, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. This yeah, has I really been, enjoyed it. Yeah, this has been a blast. I don't think I've laughed so much on an episode in a, a while. <laughs> so this is, the course, a, the that's not the course. Don't talk about my course, man. Why do I know everybody I'm drinking cores? He's all giggly because he's riding the silver bullet. <laughs> no. But thanks a lot, guys. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah man. No, we can do this again. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We definitely like to check in with uh, with our, our guests every you know now and then, bring them back on, get South updates. South Carolina peeps get priority. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And me and Justin might have to. So you're, in, you're outside of Columbia? Yeah, I'm just south of Columbia, so you guys should make a trip up sometime. Yeah, man, I, I would, I would love to. I, I love, I love seeing collections. Last time, last person I went and saw like their personal collection was Chris Montross all the way in Alabama, and I was talking to him, and you know, he was like, "This is how, this is how it used to be." You know, right. like if you wanted stuff, you, you wanted, wanted to, to join a cult, you wanted to, you had to go <laughs> no. to the reader, <laughs> no, ask him yourself. He was like, you know, this <laughs> is how, if you wanted to see what somebody had available, you know, see their collection, you had to go there. There was none of this instant messaging. I could send you a million fucking pictures, you know, whatever. Like we used yeah. to do visits and Snail actually go mail, see people, and you carriage, know, and, but that's that almost non-existent nowadays. And I really want to try and like, get out to actually see people face to face see their collections obviously i know biosecurity is a thing we will shower before we come there <laughs> but yeah maybe yeah. i might be a little paranoid but you know. yeah i'm just, just, just show up naked <laughs> oh goodness uh, yeah i know get some of those sandy cloth wipes no <laughs> just tea leaf <laughs> <laughs> Be fine. Somebody be walking up in there looking like George of the Jungle coming. In. <laughs> if if George of the Jungle was played by Black uh, Jack Black, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Sight to be seen. It's like Jack Black and a Sasquatch had a baby and it was ugly. <laughs> <laughs> it is what oh, it is. Man. Okay. Yeah. It is. What are you gonna do? Yeah. What are you gonna do? Got. <laughs> Uh, we will be back Monday for Snakes and Stogies, the last episode of the year for the network. Minus Bill. I think Bill has something lined up for the end of the month, maybe. No, are we not doing THP next week? I don't know. We're doing our last episode is the 12th. We should do one on one next week. Okay. So, Snakes and Stogies, and then that, and then the 12th. <laughs> that. Thanks. We're going to so be doing tall. our uh, announcing our people of oh, the yeah. year for that. all the shows. We've we've are we doing that before the new year? We're doing that the twelfth. It's going to oh. be the last episode of the, of the year. Oh, so we have all our people picked for each show. I think Bill still has to has to put in his 
his so we pick. have we have uh, to specify we have a person for each show and then we're gonna have a network person which we all all five of us unanimously agreed on yes so corn stars yeah. has a person snakes and stogies has a person thp has a person lizard brain radio is gonna have a person and then there's the thn person and, uh, Who will reign above all of them? That's right. No, just kidding. Don't get your, don't get cocky. It's on this day. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you all later.